B-Pod Studios. 97.5 The Fanatic. The real and inside story on the birds as they get ready for the NFL wild card. The John Kincaid Show. 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5thefanatic.com. So we're going to wake up a week from today and start the show discussing what went down in the final game of Super Wild Card Weekend. God, I hate that name. I don't like the word super. I don't know why. I just don't like the word super. Is just not one of my favorites. You don't like Super Bowl? Yeah, I I just don't like the word super. It's just not one of my favorite words. But it's going to be the final game of Wild Card Weekend. The Eagles will play the Buccaneers. And a week from today, we will be discussing what went down. And honestly, as, as, as I was thinking yesterday afternoon, especially after Bob's bold proclamation yesterday, that he is absolutely of the belief that they aren't pulling this off. This tailspin, this plane is going to crash. And Nick Sirianni is not going to be able to pull them out of this nosedive and that the Buccaneers would beat them. Uh, to me, I'm still on the fence, and that's a bad place to be, but thankfully we've got a week to get there. And I think Pat was pretty much on the fence too as far as whether thinking, I, I, I'm leaning towards they win the game. But I don't know what that means. And I was trying to say yesterday to myself, what does it mean if they win the game? Because how I feel about the Eagles today, to me, leads me to wonder, is a win over the Buccaneers? Like, let's say they beat the Buccaneers 24-20. to 20. Is that going to make me think differently about Nick Sirianni, his future, Brian Johnson, you know, the, these defensive coaches, if they come up and win a playoff game because they're going, to be, they're going to be people around the NFL that are going to go, well, I mean, aren't you happy? You won a playoff game. And I'm going to tell you that after 10-1, and one, if this season doesn't end in the NFC Championship game, at the very least, no, I'm not going to be happy. And I'm not going to watch NFL Live or anything else, which I do almost every single day. And get lectured about, wow, Philly fans are tough. Man, Philly fans are tough. Nick Sirianni's taking all this grief, and and they went to the playoffs again, and then they won a playoff game. It's not fair to say that winning a playoff game won't do anything for my psyche. I don't think that's fair because winning a playoff game, there was a time in this city when even getting to the playoffs was something that everybody just celebrated like you wouldn't believe. It was a huge accomplishment. But honestly, if this team doesn't go and win a couple games, doesn't do something to put an exclamation point in this season, it's going to end with a big wah-wah for me. It's not not going to be anything that I'm going to be bragging about or excited about. And you know what? To all the NFL analysts out there and everything, I don't care. I think I'd be I'd be wondering about the future of Nick Sirianni. I'd be wondering about the future of this franchise. And a win against Tampa Bay probably isn't going to sway that opinion. And, Bob, to me, that doesn't seem fair in a way because winning a playoff game in the NFL, getting to, getting to the playoffs is one thing. Winning a playoff game in the NFL, it's not easy. And there was a time, and you and I remember it, when this city celebrated just getting to the playoffs let alone winning a playoff game. So it almost seems unfair to me to say I'm not going to be swayed in any way if they go and beat Tampa Bay. 
No, it's not unfair. This is a monumental collapse, the likes of which the history of pro football has never seen. Uh, we've seen it with our own eyes. You got out to 10 and one and you thought things were great. And now they've lost five to six. No, it's, it's, I look, if you weren't playing maybe the second worst playoff team right now in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I believe I heard a, a poll going on yesterday on the national show. Well, Pittsburgh's probably the worst team in the NF in the playoffs right now. Tampa might be the next one. Well, Pittsburgh went up to Seattle and won. I know they're playing with like their seventh string quarterback, but they did. They won two games they had to win in order to get to the playoffs. The, the Eagles lost to two of the worst teams in the NFL their last two games of the season. Like I said, they've lost five of six. An exclamation point to the season? Like beating no. Tampa doesn't do it for like, but God, that doesn't. No, it shouldn't. Yeah, they've but, scored. They've scored twenty two points in their last two games. They didn't score a touchdown in a game that they had to win in order to get to the playoffs. They won it with three field goals and holding. A horrible Carolina team to no points. No, they're they're horrible too. But do I have a do do I have a good feeling the Eagles are going to go down there and beat them? I don't have a good feeling the Eagles could go down and beat anybody right now. And and that's just the honest way I feel. And and watching the players' reaction again yesterday when I sadly went back and watched the game and and seeing the miscommunications and seeing palms up in the air looking to sidelines saying, "What are we doing here in week seventeen? Are you kidding me? Like the lack of knowledge, uh, togetherness, anything. There is nothing cohesive about this team right now. I Absolutely th- nothing. I think about sometimes and uh, just out of that idea of like, do you have fairness? That Nick Sirianni's driving in his car and he's going to work. And he switches us on and he listens to us. And I wonder what he would think about a playoff win doesn't matter. Like a playoff win after this collapse won't make any difference in opinion. I would think he'd be like, you know what? Screw you guys. Because you don't understand how hard it is to win in the NFL and winning a game. And I think a lot of ex-NFL players, I had one yesterday telling me, do you know how hard it is to to be one of the final? Like I said, I, I gave this opinion. Is that you know how hard it is to be one of the final eight teams in the NFL? It's a lot. And he said, despite how you get there, it's a lot to be one of those teams. It doesn't seem fair to me, Pat, but I think you're in sort of the same, you're in the same boat. You're not going to be moved that big by a Tampa win, by a win over Tampa, but you're sort of leaning there also like I am. Look, if they beat Tampa, it's not going to move my needle at all because they should beat Tampa. But if they lose to Tampa, man, that would be super, super, super annoying. (laughs) Super annoying. Because it's a super, you're using super very, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I just want to emphasize how annoying it would be because, as Bob laid out, like that's a team that it could, could only get three field goals against a bad Carolina team. I mean, if there's one team in the playoffs that is like just the worst team currently in the play, it's probably Tampa Bay. He's limping. He, uh, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's limping yeah. to the sideline. They're, they're just, they're a banged up mediocre black football team. I mean, when you look at the, the the two teams that played each other two years ago in the playoffs, Eagles and Bucks, they, they've kind of, the roles have kind of reversed and they flipped and one's lucky to be there. Both times uh, each a, a team was lucky to be there. The first time was the Eagles. Now it's the Bucks. So yeah, it's not going to move my needle necessarily if you beat a bad Bucks team. But if you lose to a bad Bucks team, then that's when sirens go off and that's when, 
you know, I mean, red flags go up. It's uh, that that's more alarming to me. And that causes me to go, OK, maybe it's time for a change. If you put both of these teams on a football field and Same. on talent alone and just said, go out, you know, you, you guys play, play a game up to five scores and let's see what happens. And no coaching, nothing. Just put the talent out there. My God, this Eagles team should win five to nothing. No questions asked. This is how bad this this situation is right now in that I don't. I'll put it on coaching. I'll put it on the relationships between coaches and players. I'll put it on, you know, recent play. I don't have that confidence right now. I, I just don't. I don't think the Eagles go down. I don't think they can beat anybody right now. I haven't seen this defense stop anybody in three weeks. I haven't seen this offense look cohesive at all in that amount of time. I I I, I see players that look like they don't. I, I wonder. I really do. I, I'm sitting home last night watching the, the, the championship game and how crisp both teams were, although Washington was, you know, Michigan did a number on them, but how crisp and well-coached they are and the schemes of blocking and the schemes of, of how to get to a quarterback, especially Michigan, and the tackling by corners on one-on-one situations. Just phenomenal. And I look at it and I go, this is a different brand of football. It doesn't look anything like what a we've been witnessing. A different brand of football. And I, I, I honestly think that sometimes players are out there and it's like a play's called, whether it's on the offensive or defensive side, and Eagles players are going, oh, my God, this isn't going to work. Why are we doing this? I mean, the, the, the all 22, some of I watched yesterday, you had guys standing there. I mean, as flat-footed as can be. If I ever see a player on a football field, a basketball court, a baseball field that isn't on their toes, to me, they're done. And I saw safeties and corners yesterday as plays are being run absolutely flat-footed, not knowing should I go here, should I go there. I don't know where to go, so I'm just going to plant myself here. You talk about that seed that he planted? God, those corners and safeties look like they were planted into the ground so many times on Sunday. Yeah, just as a like, – like right now, though, I think does that also play into the mindset of where everybody depicts us as Negadelphia? Like, oh, to be positive like, about. Well, I mean, if the, no, I'm saying if there was a win against Tampa, because people are going to say, you know, winning cures everything. Well, a win over Tampa just doesn't do it for me. And I think for the majority of our fan base that listens to this radio station that's with us every day, I believe, Pat, the majority would fall where what I'm saying, that a win over Tampa is just going to be like, okay, show me what you can do the next week, and I might, I might be willing to forgive and forget. Uh, I mean, look, if if they get by Tampa, you've got to face San Francisco or in Dallas. San Francisco. Or Dallas. I thought it was San Fran. Well, it depends on if there's an upset. Remember, if Dallas if Dallas or Detroit gets upset, like, could you uh, see? I'm, I'm, I'm going with the, the, the caveat. The, that you're going with chalk. Yeah, you're going with yeah. chalk. Okay. You're, you're going to San Fran. You're playing right. them when they've had a week off. I, Yeah, I'm not. I mean, if, if, if you beat the Bucs, it's not really doing much for me. But I, I also expect you to beat the Bucs. I understand why Bob's like I can't I can't expect that because they haven't beaten anybody. So it's not really moving my needle. But I'm I'm also not then adding on the Bucks win and saying okay now show me what you've got against against San Fran because I think that's a tough task for anybody. You're going into San Fran. You're on a short week. They've had a week off. I, that's why I said the, 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 yesterday that the NFL did the Eagles no favors. No, they did with this schedule. But then again, I don't think it's going to matter because I think the Eagles are going to get hammered. If they go out to San Fran, I see. Uh, see, I, I, I'm leaning towards leaning towards Detroit getting upset by the Rams. 
by Matthew Stafford going back into Detroit and winning a playoff game. They're a hot team. They're probably they're the God. I don't want to face them. Team of the Green NFC Bay, right Green now. Bay too has yeah, been Green really Bay really also, good yeah. too. And Green Bay, well. I don't see Green Bay going into Dallas and beating the Cowboys. But then again, the Cowboys have a history of coming up small in some big spots. But if 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 either Detroit if Detroit gets upset or or Dallas gets upset, things change. Uh, you know, so it could change for the Eagles. Uh, I I I would much prefer to go to Dallas than to go to than to go to San Francisco. San Francisco was the beatdown. San Francisco already did to the Cowboys what they did to the Eagles. They've got to be very, very confident. I mean, they got to be booking. They're probably booking hotel rooms and everything and feeling very confident. Oh, they're looking super at the confident. Field. Are you kidding Yeah, me? the way that that team's looking. Does, uh, but what, is it, what does it mean to you if you're in our audience and you wanted to share a thought at 610-632-0975 as far as if a win over Tampa Bay, is it going to change anything for you? And is it fair to say it doesn't change any opinion you've got about this Eagles team, should that happen, you can get in at 610-632-0975. Did you hear Tim McManus yesterday on the best show ever? I think the some of the best, like sort of behind-the-walls insight as far as Jalen Hurts and this team came on the best show ever yesterday during the 4 o'clock hour. We'll let you hear some of that, too, coming up if you stick around. John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. By The Fanatic. Every storyline, every angle on the Eagles is here all week as they prepare for the NFL wildcard. This is the John Kincaid Show. 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5TheFanatic.com. 6 a.m. hour of the John Kincaid Show is brought to you by Bradford White Water Heaters. Bradford White is here for the pro, and we appreciate them. Uh, yesterday, as we get ready for wildcard buildup, Tim McManus... Sat in with the best show ever yesterday from 4 to 5. And highly entertaining and highly informative. As uh, Tim McManus takes you sort of behind the the curtain a bit. And I wanted to just concentrate on one of the things that was talked about. And he had some great insights on Jalen Hurts. And one of the things that was discussed is Jalen Hurts' leadership. And whether that was making his team better. And my first thought is, is like that San Francisco game. It's almost like it stole their soul. And I, I feel like a level of panic set in prematurely for this group. And I think when we ultimately look back at the season and what went wrong and look at uh, the decision to demote Sean Desai and put in Matt Patricia, I think that we're going to look at that as a panic move and one that blew up in their faces. And, you know, really, Hassan Reddick kind of laid it out this week at his locker stall when he was saying that, yeah, you know, some of the struggles have to do with the fact that now you're adjusting to a new defensive play caller who's kind of putting in at least part of a new scheme with some new language and asking us to do different things and doing it on the fly. And, guys, you see it? Like, this defense is just falling apart. 
Yeah, and, and falling apart, I think, is a uh, is a relative term. I mean, it, it's bad. It's bad what's gone down. That was a different cut that I wanted to play. Uh, Jalen Hurts' leadership was called, like, wh- like wh- what did he do to make things better? And did he? Listen in. Uh, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. And I wonder if that isn't applicable to the entire 2023 Eagles team. This is a, a group that has had no joy the entire year. I mean, they're 10-1. They're and one. They're the best team in the NFC. They look like they're en route to getting back to the Super Bowl. And yet, you know, there was just no juice like you would expect. Mm. Did Jalen instill that into everybody on the offense? Well, I, think it's, I think it's part of it. I mean, yeah. I think as a leader, and listen, he's been... Generally speaking, awesome. So impeccable, so to speak. Yeah, MVP candidate last year, always on the upward trajectory, sets the right examples in so many ways, like a lot of respect from from members of the locker room. But I think a miscalculation here, uh, in part from him, in part from the head coach, you know, everything feeling so tight. Like everything was work and it was never just relax and have fun and enjoy the little moments and that kind of thing. So. And that is what I've talked about for before is the Nick Saban has, you know, literally creates bots. He creates people that just it's about work. I remember we had Nick Saban on one time after he won a national championship the day after on Atlanta radio. And he was talking about the fact that he was in the office that morning at 630 and he was making recruiting calls before kids went to school. And he said, it's on to next year. I got to worry about next year. And I think that he instilled that in his players, and I see it in Jalen Hurts. There's no joy in Jalen. There's no joy. There's this intensity. It's like, get to work, get to work, get to work. And the problem is, I think that if you can hear it from Tim McManus there, it creates a little bit of a tense atmosphere that nobody's going to come in and say, you know, like, like this is supposed to be sort of fun. So let's have some fun. I, I don't know that there's no joy. I mean, we see him in the locker room after the game and everybody's huddled around. He's screaming and hollering. We see him before the game, how he's huddled around everybody and screaming and hollering and all. Uh, people take their fun or joy or whatever in different ways. Like you and I might be smiling and high-fiving and, you know, doing, uh, celebrating the way we do. Maybe he waits till he gets home and just explodes and then is like, you know, ah, oh, this is great. I don't I don't buy much. I'll tell you one thing that, that Timmy said on there that I, I wrote it down because I think it's golden and it's gonna be a saying for the rest of my life. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. That's phenomenal. It is. That is such a great line. And it's true. Um and, and you know, John, you're onto something, obviously, with the the whole Nick Saban thing. I mean, that six thirty in the morning the next day making calls. After just winning the national crap. title like, and everything, come on. like come on, uh, relax, like, chill yeah. out. At some point, like, your national title has gotten you more recruits than any phone call is going to do at 630 in the morning. So that's a little bit much. Uh, but I think it creates players that are sort of in that robotic mold, don't say anything. The media, and he definitely sets up an adversarial relationship between media and team. They're not your friends. They're trying to drag you down. They're trying to wait for you to trip up and make a mistake, which I think is false. I I think when when a team's going great, last year the Eagles did not have that. The Eagles had nothing but positive media coverage because they earned it. Yeah. And they deserved it. I think it's total crap when people are like, yeah, the media's just looking to tear you down. No, they weren't looking to tear you down last year. They weren't looking to tear down the 2022 Phillies. They weren't looking around. When you, when you do what you're supposed to do or you exceed, the media is your best friend. 
and they promote your product and they create that energy. I just think he can make people a little tense. Now, that was sort of the advice that Tim McManus had in another comment. One of the issues with Carson was that he was so laser focused on what he was doing that he didn't really open himself up as much as some of the people wanted him to. Like when I I remember talking to a staffer, he described Wentz as a ghost. He's like he is always like locked up in a film room like you never Mm -hmm. see him throughout the course of the building. And I think that Jalen is is better than Carson in terms of building those relationships. Like he, he, you know, he takes his offensive lineman out to dinner. He makes sure that he kind of reaches across the aisle. That was one problem with Wentz. He had his circle. He kind of stayed in his circle. He didn't go over to the defensive side of the ball. Hertz, I think, is better than, than Carson in that respect. But he is this laser-focused individual where it's he cares about one thing. Like, you try to do a feature story on Hertz, and it's like, tell me about his other interests. And, t- and it's like, uh, dude, it's, it's football. You like, that like he'll, cook, he'll cook some crawfish, and, and he likes old-school soul music, and that's what they'll tell you. Like, and, that, and then outside of that, it's like, it's football. And, and so when a team may need something a little bit different from you, I think it is part of the learning process. It's, I don't think it's an indictment on Hertz. I think right, right. that, you know, the sky is still the limit for Hertz. But, yeah, is that an area of potential growth? I think so. so- yeah, I mean, it's a, the the idea of, of his leadership is whether people are whether people are tense or whether people can match his intensity. Uh, laser focused is great, but not everybody is going to react. I, I I don't think AJ Brown's the same way. It doesn't appear AJ Brown is the same way. It doesn't appear that other guys on the offense are the same way. Well, and, nobody's the same. I mean, that's the great thing right. about life and sports and all. Like, nobody's the same. Jalen Hurts was his second-round pick. He had so much success last year that he was the runner-up of MVP voting. Maybe he's not that if he's not laser-focused. Sure. You know, I mean, there's a reason he was a second-round pick. There's a reason he wasn't, he's not, he wasn't considered, you know, an NFL starter right away. Maybe he made himself into that by being laser focused, by being in the film room, by having to study and, and concentrate on all of those different things solely by himself. I, I got to tell you, I like, look, yeah, would it suck going to work and, and, you know, your quarterback is just like you never see him smile or anything like that? I guess. But that doesn't that doesn't phase me. I guess I'm different. I don't really I don't need a guy that's all like either the way I want him to be or not the way I want him to be. I just need him to do the things that we have to do to get the job done. Well, is he and doing if, those? I don't think he is. I don't think anybody is. Yeah, I, I don't think, think anybody yeah, I, on this team right now is getting yeah, it done that way. But he's your quarter of a billion dollar player. He's the guy who is now eating up the biggest part of your cap. You need him to be the guy that not only leads by example, which he does clearly. And you can hear that in Tim's analysis. He does lead by example. But his performance has been subpar yeah, for a guy all of that their for, performances have been. I got you. Yeah. But again, he's the guy you're you, you went and paid him and said, we believe in you. We believe you are that MVP caliber type of player. We're going to pay you like an MVP caliber type of player. He's got a. I didn't expect to see reg- the regression this year, Pat, that I've seen. That, that's one thing that on my bingo card, I did not have it. No, I didn't either. And, uh, I think it's a big feather in the cap to Shane Steichen and his offense because when you look at what changed with this Eagles offense, there's one thing that changed, and it was the offensive coordinator. I mean, DeAndre Swift has basically filled in beautifully for Miles Sanders. And then other than that, I mean, the offense is the same. So what changed? Okay, well, you have Brian Johnson, his buddy, 
who came in, and uh, Shane Steichen left. Right, man, this is really mirroring the Carson Wentz thing, and I don't mean to put that on on Jalen Hurts. And obviously, with the cut that we just played, Tim lays out like he's not he's not Carson Wentz. But when you look at just how that played out and and some of the the parallels, they're they're, they're definitely there. Well, I think the idea that he has, and I think that Tim points out greatly, is that. There's no Jalen Hurts has not lost his locker room. Yeah, yeah, and that's he, why I'm, I'm saying like so there that's are parallels what's good. there. Yeah, but there are parallels, different, right? But, I mean, there are dots that you can connect to the two, and and it's like, oh, okay, well, this happened, you know, and that happened, and and I I didn't expect the the, the turnovers. I didn't expect the the fumbles, and you know, I, I think he's. I, I, I've tried all season to remind myself like it's a down year in the NFL, but he's not playing at the level even close to it that he played last year. And a down year in the NFL should have Bob should have benefited the Eagles. The Eagles have a loaded roster. They well, that, that's my question was going to be like, who who is looking up to to Jalen Hurts in the locker room? Like, is Jason Kelsey walking in and saying, "Oh, what what's what you know?" I'm looking up to him. What does he do today that I can follow? Lane Johnson, anybody on that offensive line? Is DeAndre Swift walking in and saying, "I got to follow the lead of 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 the quarterback?" Yeah, you need the quarterback to play well because it's the most important position. And yeah, they've entrusted him to 250 million dollars. But leader, who who's following? Okay, but the, like, who are the followers? Like, if I, I'm a professional athlete and you come up to me and you go. Are you following the lead of Jalen Hurts? I'd be like, screw you, dude. I'm a professional athlete. I'm a leader. I don't I, like this whole leader thing is so. Well, Jalen, last year it was public and there was even audio of it where where Jason Kelsey turned the locker room over to Jalen Hurts. What does that mean? Well, like he said, your this is your your shoe yet. No, I'll tell you when no, you I can tie that. your shoe. But like, this I don't is know your what that means. This is your team now. Well, that, sure. when, that when things are going bad, and you know this, Bob, is that in a locker room, when things are going bad, there are veterans who are expected to sort of take control of the locker room and, and make sure that, you know, see see what they can do about setting the tone for how it's going to be. And and he even has, Nick Sirianni even has a leadership council of guys with Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and some of the others that tell him, here's what the locker room's thinking. Oh, yeah, Andy Reid had do. that way back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, every coach has that. That's right. yeah. But I, I do. I find it, yeah, is Jalen Hurts the leader of this team because he's in the most important position in all of sports? Absolutely. But if I go into a locker room and things are going down and I'm a professional player on the team, what do I do? Walk over to Jalen Hurts and say, what should I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. Where things are going badly and I don't know how to... Like, I, I don't, like, this whole leaders, like, yeah, you want a good locker room, you want friends to be friends, but they're all equals. I, I don't I don't think, like, a, anybody's sitting at their locker and looking and saying, uh, how are we going to fix this? Let me watch what Jalen Hurts is doing right now because he's a super leader. Let's, I don't know. No, I, I, I do think, though, there's something to be said about you look to your best players to make plays and keep moments. And, oh, oh, plays, and at, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking at, on the field. I said yeah, he but, is the leader because he's the quarterback, yeah. Yeah, uh, on off the field, though, like, yeah, I, I think there's there's something to be said about bringing a, a group together and knowing how to kind of rally the trip. I mean, when you look at the quarterback position, they're, they're the leader because of the quarterback. I think a lot of times, though, they are kind of the assistant coach in the sense that the assistant coach is the best job in, in, in the world. You got the coach complaining to you about the players and the players complaining to you about the coach. And when you look at the quarterback, he's probably got that, right? He's got the players complaining to him about what the coaches are doing. The coaches are probably going to him and complaining about certain players and whatnot. And he's kind of in the middle. And you have to unite the two. And I just don't – I think he's so robotic. I don't know if he's he's built for that. Yeah, but, yeah. but then but then again, it's like all we hear about is his great leadership. And we, that's all we've heard about since he came out of 
out of, out of college. So what the hell do I know? Because I've never been in the locker room. <laughs> I would know. I, I would. I would tell you is that uh, to me. I I would react to something. There is, I think, that a message from I've seen in every locker room of, of teams that I've actually either worked for or covered that there are guys who would take the lead as far as set and tell guys we need to we need to tighten some things up. Here's what we need to be doing. And whenever they have players only meetings, these are the guys that lead the team. These are the guys that speak to the team. And it's going to be uh, and, and whether that works or not is another question. Brian joins us uh, this morning on the Fanatic. Brian, what's your thoughts on this? My thoughts is um, what about the leadership? Like he did everything um, to be a leader. You know, he played hard. He put the team on his back. But sometimes when you when you're struggling, people people can't understand it. Especially that well, you're a leader, you're supposed to be, you know, taking care of business. But the, my problem was that every leader needs people under them or surrounding them, lifting them up. Like, I feel like nobody else is helping. Like, not none of the players trying to make big plays or anything like that. Nobody else is stepping up. And as far as, like, I could... Wait a minute, wait a minute. It sounds to me, can I just... I, I want to just ask you. It sounds to me like you're sort of saying Jalen's doing his part and other people aren't doing theirs. I don't see it that way at all. I think he's regressed. I think he regressed because you can't win with all those turnovers. But Correct. I feel like every needer need somebody when they're down, when they low, not playing at that normal level or like on your job, there should be somebody kind of helping them out and trying to lift them up. And it seems like nobody is doing it. Like we can't do, like for us, we can't do everything on our own. You know, even though we might try to think so, we can't do everything on our own. Yeah, I got like you. I, I, the only thing is the, the, the whole putting on is, what, what, what do you feel about that, Bob, as far as the, the ideas? I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen him at all putting the team on his back and trying to carry them. I, I haven't seen that Jalen Hurts this year at all, pretty much. That last drive against Buffalo, I felt that way. Yeah, that I last drive was... against Buffalo was absolutely freaking amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a great team drive. The coaches were great. Hertz was great. The surrounding players were great. The offensive line was great. Yeah, yeah, you had a drive that you had you needed to win the game and they all performed up to expectations and and scored the touchdown to win the game. Yeah. Um you know, no, J- Jalen Hurts has he carried the team this year? No, nobody has really carried the team. They got to 10 and 1 with a kind of team effort. Uh AJ Brown was awesome uh during a lot of those games. But, you know, leadership. So if you're not playing well, how are you rallying troops? And the reason I I think I have this is because early in my career when I talked to a professional athlete about leadership, and I told you guys this story before, he looked at me and goes, okay, what am I, a follower? You know, like that stuck with me. These are professional athletes. I I really don't think they need somebody to lead. Yeah, it's good that if I'm not a speaker in in the locker room, if I'm not a guy that, you know, is kumbaya let's go and, and all that is it cool to have somebody else do it yeah sure i don't i don't mind that i was never i was never that guy i never changed a face expression my whole life playing sports i was just wasn't that but, guy but if you're a like like if management says hey guys you gotta we gotta change some things up we gotta change the attitude gotta change the work ethic everything and we're having a show meeting i don't expect brendan or haley to be the ones that have to stand up and rally the troops you're supposed to you're, you're you're supposed to count on him to be the guy who helps to guide the ship. I so mean, wait. Jason Kelsey made it public. This is your team now, Jalen. This is your team now. So obviously, he was the guy 
that was being the spokesperson, being the the front and center guy. This is your team now, Jalen. We need it, and that's. I think it's important. So if a boss comes in and says, you know, we need better work ethic, whatever. First of all, I'm looking at myself, and I'm saying, oh, are they saying I need better work ethic? I've always been comfortable with my work ethic, but then I need somebody to rally me and tell me I don't need that. Like a boss telling me that, a head coach telling me, here's what you got to do, and you have to do it better. Do you think that's all I need to hear? Do you think you are like most? People? You're not. I think You're like not. most professional athletes, yeah. Oh, wow, I don't. I don't. You, you really seen, think professional no. athletes sit around and say, no, I need a leader. No but, I've seen, leader? no, but I've seen professional athletes that have lousy work ethics. I've, I've seen, I, I could name I, two, two handfuls, more than two handfuls of guys that didn't have the work ethic of peers of theirs, of yeah. guys who were Je- Julio Jones is in this town. Julio Jones is a fantastic talent. Julio Jones had a lousy practice ethic, and things like that. Watching him, observing him, seeing him. He did not, I don't want to practice. He literally, in a second contract, I don't want, I, I want, I want to play. Well, who would you rather have, Julio rate. Jones or uh, a Jalen Reger who works his ass off? Well, I don't know if he does. <laughs> I, I don't like, know that he does. Look, I, I know what you're saying, Bob, but I do think that when you're a younger player, and I think that's the key here, is when you're a younger player, if you see the work ethic of a guy like Elaine Johnson or a Jason Kelsey, guys that are ticketed for the Hall of Fame, you're more likely to want them to take you under their wing, and you're more likely to follow them around. And and that, to me, is, is leadership. Like, you might not want to be a leader, and you might not think it, and I'm sure that that, you know, Tyler Steen doesn't really think that maybe <laughs> he needs it, but you're going you're gonna to look to those guys because sure. they've been to the highest level. And, you know, do you need to be the rah-rah guy? No, not necessarily. But I do think, you know, there there, there is leaders and. In sports, and if he, and if he, it's not for everybody, but and if that guy calls you out, Pat, yeah, it if means that guy more. calls you out, it's Jalen Hurts calls somebody out and goes, "Look, guys, you need to be spending more time in the weight room. You need to be paying more attention in uh, film study. You need to be doing things." That has to happen. Yeah, if Bob Cooney calls somebody at the station out, it means a little bit more than if I call somebody at the station out. See, I, 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 I think you're. I don't think you're wired the same as I think. I think leadership is is really overblown. And if we took a a poll. Of professional athletes, maybe just in this town, I think it would lean real heavily towards players saying, yeah, I, I leadership, that's great, and on. I hope I am or whatever, but needed? Nah, I and, don't think so. And then I watch a team like this and I say, yeah, it sure as hell's needed. This locker room has come, this team has come completely unglued. This team has to completely collapsed. You damn well need leadership. You damn well, whether it's from coaches, whether it's from players or otherwise, somebody needs to take somebody and say, this isn't good enough. And you're not getting it done. Well, I don't know if they know it, but they're oh, not changing. Stop. But Come they're on. not. But we're, they're not we're on the outside looking in. You, you think the feeling that we have watching this Eagles team is horrible, right, John? We it get is. done watching a game and we're pissed off. We're in the middle of the game. Right, right, right. We start taking lights off of Christmas trees instead of watching the game. <laughs> it's two thousand percent more with the players. The frustration, the pissed offness. They knew bad things going on with that team weeks before we knew it was going on. So they know it. Somebody has to tell them. Like you really think a player needs to be told? If I were to pull. Lane Johnson, look, or, or no, Jason Kelsey, you're not calling the right blocking schemes on the blitz. You think he needs somebody to tell him that? Like, they know how bad things are. Uh, yeah, a leader to say, like, come on, guys, we need to pick it up. Okay, that that's no 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 crap. Like, no, no crap. Uh, we know you need it. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't, if you're a professional athlete, 
you you got to know these things. You shouldn't have to be told. I love when Bob gets so animated. He's so close to cursing, but he catches himself. <laughs> I like it. That's my favorite version of Bobby Cooney. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's uh, let, if you want to talk about this, Frank, I know does, and some others. Six one zero six three two zero nine seven five. Plus, at the top of the hour, positivity reigns with this Eagles team. I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to count on you for it. John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. The real and inside story on the birds as they get ready for the NFL wild card. The John Kincaid Show. 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5thefanatic.com. It was a, uh, another big day in Philly sports yesterday in a surprising way. Certainly didn't expect to us to be talking about the Flyers trading Cutter Gauthier, one of their top two prospects in the entire organization, uh, from Boston College. And uh, he just helped to lead Team USA to a gold medal in the, uh, in the uh, World Juniors. And it ends up that he was demanding a trade, saying he doesn't want to be here. We'll talk to, don't know if it's going to be Jonesy or Danny, uh, Danny Breyer or Keith Jones joining us at 9 a.m. this morning, but we'll get one of them on to discuss this situation. But, Pat, to see Cutter Gauthier literally say, yeah, I don't want to be here is a w- l- very shocking. Let's put it that way, because I've been dreaming about watching him be the sniper that the Flyers have needed for over two decades uh, for quite a while now. I don't think uh, many people were expecting that. Yesterday, no. uh, the trade ha- the trade goes down, and the initial reaction is, uh, "What the uh, FCC violation was was going on there?" Because you right. just weren't expecting it. And then, yeah, the news starts coming out that he just didn't want to meet with the organization. He didn't want to be a part of the organization, and that's the surprising thing. Like, I had a text from my dad this morning at five thirty in the morning that said. Uh, I just wanted to say after 53 years of following the NHL, I've never thought I'd see the day when a player refuses to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think a lot of like old time hockey fans are probably feeling a similar way. Like he just became JD Drew, the hockey version of JD Drew in the city. I'm floored. Uh, I'm very surprised. Uh, and when you keep when you keep that in mind, when you keep in mind the fact that he didn't want to play for the organization, Danny Briere did a really really good job. He did a good job on a getting a return job. on it when yeah. everybody everybody in NHL circles reportedly had known that this was going on too. That his camp, I guess, had made it known he wasn't going to be a flyer. And um, there was some speculation, Bob, that he wanted to be here this year and that that wasn't, you know, in the flyers' cards and that that may have pissed him off. That's one of the theories that has been floated out there. We'll try to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, I don't believe, yeah, it's, it's, I don't believe that's the way no, it was. It's That's wild. I mean... Here's a guy that once he was drafted, you know, went on social media talking about how he can't wait to come to the Flyers. You have one reporter saying that Kevin Hayes has his hands all over this. Uh, both, uh, where'd they go, Boston College or Boston U? Yeah, they went to Boston College. Yeah, both alums there. Uh, did he talk him out of wanting to come and play here? I can't imagine an 18, 19-year-old uh, gets a professional contract, gets to play on any team. And he has the balls to say, like, yeah, I don't want to play for you. Well, you know who did that. I know. Uh, Eric Lindros. But no. I, well, Lindros Ke- was one. Yeah, Kevin Hayes did it. Oh, did he really? Kevin Hayes was drafted by the Blackhawks in the first round. And I didn't way, know that. the way that hockey works is if you don't sign your entry-level contract within four years, you get to pick what team you go to. So Kevin Hayes, who ended up signing with the Flyers and 
didn't really amount to much in terms of the contract. Ends up getting shipped out to St. Louis. Probably. I mean, I'm not saying that what Anthony Sanfilippo is, is saying is correct. I don't know. But the Kevin Hayes connection, the fact that Kevin Hayes was friends with Cutter Gauthier, and they were very close, you can connect some dots. Uh, and yeah, there might be a little truth to it. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Hayes whispered in his ear and says, you know, if you wait like two more years, you can just pick wherever, wherever you want to go. You can pick your team. And, and, and it's, no, it's no foregone conclusion he even signs with, with Anaheim. I think he will. But it's not a foregone conclusion because you know, we, we've seen this happen a few times. Um, Adam Fox was drafted by Calgary, got his rights traded to Carolina, and he didn't want to go to Carolina. And then his rights were traded to New York where he wanted to go, and he signed with New York. But it he is- was planning on just waiting it out. He was planning on going back to Harvard. So this does happen. It's, it's not... You know, it's, RJ, not on, it's not yeah, unheard R.J. Umberger was another example. R.J. Umberger got drafted by Vancouver, and his rights were traded. He ended up signing a free agent contract with, with the Flyers when his four years were up. So it does happen, but with a team like the Flyers, you know, a uh, hockey, hockey town and, and a, an organization that has some pride, it's, it's a little surprising. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk to Danny Breer or uh, Keith Jones, whichever uh, is available this morning. We'll get one of them out of bed to join us to discuss this situation. It is a little disappointing, but uh, and not to do a deep dive, but I do like Drysdale. As long as they can, you know, make sure that he gets, uh, you know, he's healthy. Uh, he's he's he would be he is a top talent. Yeah, he was the, the uh, 2020 draft. He was thought of as the number one defenseman coming out. He was the second defenseman taken behind Jake Sanderson, but he's really good. He just uh, he's had injury issues, torn labrum uh, earlier this year. He had a lower body injury that kept him out of the lineup for a little bit, but he can be a, a, a power play quarterback on your power play for sure. Hey, the 7 a.m. hour of the John Kincaid Show is brought to you by the all-new Bet Parks app. Sportsbook and casino in one sleek, easy-to-use app. Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Check it on out and uh, get that $1,000 casino bonus back if you uh, have losses in your first 24 hours. you got to check that out. Thanks to the fine people at Bet Parks. I wanted to try to turn this positively a little bit because I refuse to believe everything about the Eagles' 2023 season is negative. Yet most of the discussion has been really bad because the last month has been an abject failure and disaster. Could we identify 10 positives from this season? And I mean legitimate positives, not somebody being a wise ass going, well, the draft pick will be better. Could we identify 10 positive things about this season? Because honestly, if we can't, I think that's a major indictment considering the talent that's on this roster and that this team was a defending NFC champion. I I have a few that I think of, and I know listeners will probably have some too that they might want to share at 610-632-0975. And I'm not talking about wise-ass ones like, well, this will get us rid of Sirianni or something like that. I'm talking about real positives that you could take away from the 2023 season. And I think 10 may be a bit aggressive. That's what I'm, what I'm trying to figure it out. Bob, I thought 10 may be a little hard. Well, because it, as the positives you want to list have maybe have been negated over the last six weeks. You know, it's a full season. You have to look at it as such. You can't look at 11 games and then look at seven games or eight or nine, whatever it may wind up being. But that's a whole season so you can't negate these last six games you can't just look at the first 11 games so hard for 10 i think it'd be hard for five john in all honesty 
the can you think of one off the top of your head that you would say, okay, I can take this away as a positive for 2023? It's hard. The first, I mean, it's hard. It doesn't come out of your, it doesn't just roll off your tongue. No, the first one that kind of came to my mind was the play of the young. Now you're talking about moving forward. Right, right, right. The young offensive lineman. Okay. I think Cam Jurgens says has played well. I think Landon Dirk, Landon Dickerson has Pro played bowler. very well. Yeah, uh, those are two guys that you, they're going to have to become foundational pieces with this uh, organization moving forward. So that would probably be my first the the play of the young offensive lineman. That's a, that's that's a good one, and that was on my list as far as some of the some of the young talent. Uh, I have one. That uh, I believe that Jalen Carter will be a game wrecker. I believe he is going to be a foundational game wrecking piece going forward. Well, that that you know that that's one that leads to what I kind of said through eleven games. Absolutely, in this six game hiatus that they've had, where's he been? Well, the Matt Patricia thing has certainly changed it. I it's guess cha- whatever's happened, it's changed or. Again, when you hear that term, and I know you hear it in the NBA, you've talked about it with players in the NBA, that rookie wall, where guys, you know, sort of hit it. And that is a thing. It's talked about. But it's the, I think it's hard to find the positives. And I think Jay is going to agree with us. Jay, uh, good morning. You're on the Fanatic. Uh, good morning. How you doing? Good, buddy. Uh, yeah, you're positive. I mean, it's just, it's impossible right now to really find any positive. Like, you start off 10-1. and one. I think we're the first team to what the '86 Jets to finish with 11 or fewer wins at the start of 10-1, and that's with the extra game too. Yeah, only Miami. I think it's only Miami and the Jets have ever done it, and both of them got blown out in their playoff games. Yeah, I mean it's just it's unbelievable. I've never seen nothing like this. Like you look at the team last year; it's basically the same team came back minus the coordinators, which I think is the the biggest problem. I mean, they line up standard two by two formation, no motion. I mean, it's just like predictable offense. Do you? You seriously can't? You can't find one player on the roster you're positive about. You can't oh, find one. None, none at all. Oh no, I love the players. I no, I mean, well, there there has to be a positive then, because you right. can take a positive story out of a, an individual player, can't I mean, you? Lo- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I love the birds till the day I die. Like the, the team, that's what pisses me off. Because the team <laughs> has talent. Like, where's? Why aren't they playing the way they can? We've seen what they can do, and I mean, you wonder like how much is, it, is the coordinator like. The play calling. How about like, the head coach? Why, I mean, I know we, we 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 sit and trash the the coordinators constantly. What about the head coach who I seems know. to have no answers? No, I agree. Like I think he kind of. I mean, he came in, you know, did great things real quick. But with this type of collapse, like, I can't say like he's on the hot seat right now. But are you going to Tampa Bay and just look like you did the past few weeks? Yeah, I mean, how can you run it back next year? Thank you, buddy. Do you think the uh, the the idea though that one game would be the referendum, or would it be the last seven games? Like, is can one would one game potentially sway the future of Nick Sirianni here? Meaning could, the next one? Yes. Could could Monday night if they go down in flames at Tampa, look terrible, look like they've looked, and and get rolled by the Buccaneers? Not rolled, but like get beaten by the Buccaneers. Could that say to a Jeffrey Lurie, okay, enough's enough. I, I wasn't going to change Nick Sirianni out, but I'm willing to do it now. I don't know. I, I think the decision's already been made about what they're going to do with Nick Sirianni. I don't, I don't think they really need one. They know how bad this has been these last seven games, six games rather. Um, 
I, I, I just don't think they're going to make that move. I don't. I, I don't. So you I, don't I, either. No, I, no, I don't. I, I don't agree with Bob. You don't think the decision I don't, I don't think the been made. I mean, this was a team that I don't think they were planning on firing Doug Peterson. I thought that, that he, they they figured he would just, you know, sit there and... Capitulate and, a little bit? And, and be a yes man. And when he fought back and wanted his guys and was ready to die on that hill and was ready to walk away... They were like, oh, okay. But that was also like, after I don't think a, they went to that meeting going, like, we're going to we're gonna let him go. Yeah, what was his last year? What were they, 7-9? Uh, no, they were 4-11-1. I don't remember what they were. Doug Peterson's they last year? They were 4-11-1. Yeah, that's a lot different than it, it even is. though it's been so horrible. I'm just talking this out. I'm not disagreeing with you, per se. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't see this organization letting go of Nick Sirianni no matter what happens on Monday night. I would tend to uh, to agree with you. But I think that you have to have an uncomfortable conversation that you didn't expect to have. Do you think that that pleases the fan base? What, that they're having the conversation? Hearing, hearing, no, hearing what Bob said. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think there are many in the fan base that are like, you know, I, I, I think a change needs to be made. Oh, and if they're, whoever's sitting on the fence, if they lose to Tampa Bay, oh, they're jumping on the side of get the hell rid of them. There's no question in my mind. If the Eagles lose to Tampa Bay on Monday night... It's going to be far, by far, a majority of people saying he's got to go. Well, I, I think. So you think next Tuesday morning that's what we could be coming into? Uh, no, fire, fire I, I think so. Yeah, I mean we're already getting it, and they we are getting some of that. Yeah, look, a thing that I've said for a while now, um, and even when they were winning, and and now it's a popular slogan. It seems like amongst Eagles fans is, "What is it you do here?" And we don't know. Like we don't know what exactly it is, other than motivate that he does. Now, Jeffrey Lurie does, and Howie Roseman, they know. And they know that if it is literally just all he does is motivate or if there is a deeper thing and he is more involved than maybe he lets on and maybe we see just as being fans and outsiders. But if it's a situation where we're right and, and they're even they're sitting there going, Nick, what, do, what is it you do here? Then, yeah, he's probably gone. And it's, that's Because that, how do you keep Well, it? I'll tell you what. Even if they win against Tampa Bay and then lose the next game against the favored at the favored – uh, I think fans will be calling for a bunch of changes. Well, I there th- has to be change, uh, and I'm talking coaching. There has to be a lot of changes. I don't know if it'll be geared towards Sirianni if they beat Tampa Bay and then go and 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 lose against a heavily favored team. I would say, but yeah, I'm pretty comfortable in saying should they lose to Tampa? Oh yeah, the Nick Sirianni torches will be out there. To me, that is a it's it's one of those things where I, and I wrote a piece for the Fanatic website today at ninety seven five thefanatic dot com. You can always check out some of the content there about the fact that uh, one word that I keep hearing is optics. You can't well, they can't move away from Nick Sirianni because of optics. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? What have the optics been for seven weeks, six weeks now? What are those optics? Because those optics are far worse to me than saying we can't make a move on a on a on make a decision about uh, you know firing our coach. The optics have been terrible for this team. I think this collapse is a terrible optic. If that's what you're talking about, if that's what you actually believe. No, I think Pat laid it out perfectly yesterday. This ownership group doesn't care about optics. Could not care less about no, optics. They got well, rid I hope of a so. head coach two years after winning a Super Bowl. You know, they brought in a Chip Kelly who. You know, by name only was they thought was a guy. They've gone out and hired nobodies and been success. They don't care about optics. They they don't. They no, just care and, about winning. I think. And, and their track record speaks to why they don't care about optics. Like they have a really successful track record, not caring about optics. 
when you look at Andy Reid getting hired, man, that was a pretty damn big success, right? It was and a then, huge success, yes. And then Doug Peterson's Mr. Magoo un- until all of a sudden he wins <laughs> a Super Bowl, and that was a pretty big success. And then even Nick Sirianni, that opening press conference, it looked like it was we, – we didn't learn anything from Doug Peterson, and it ends up being a, a, a success. So when you look at their most controversial hires, it's been good. Their popular hires, like Chip Kelly, like Ray Rhodes, it, they, they didn't work out. But the the unpopular ones that have worked out. Did you go Mr. Magoo on us? Yeah. Oh, That's he, a really he uses old, that a lot. That is a yeah. really yeah. old reference. Yeah, In text messages, do. Pat uses that a lot. That's yeah. a black and white cartoon. It's become my, my go-to. What Did your dad make you watch Mr. Magoo cartoons? I don't know where I got Mr. Magoo from. Because uh, probably, he, I, because like I, I really, he was that's a black and white cartoon. I, really, I mean, second grade, I stopped watching cartoons. What? Yeah, I swear to God, I stopped you watching. Never watched Scooby Doo. Uh, I got bored with them, so in second grade, I switched to Sports Center because you figured out that it was never really a monster; it was always somebody wearing a mask. I just, I think I just got bored with the the premise of it. Uh, you know, it was like, all right, well, it's time to be a man. Yeah, really I started growing hair on my chest grade. in second grade. Yeah. No, my mom will test this next time she's in. Yeah, like you never watched a cartoon. No, no, I'm not saying I didn't watch them, but in the mornings when I'd wake up and that's the time you'd you watch cartoons. You wanted to see Sports Center. I I was turning on Sports Center in second grade and uh, yeah, Sunday I, conversation. I a, when I was little, seven, maybe up to about ten years Bugs old, and I got up great, on a, yeah, when I got up on a Saturday morning, that was my thing. I'd get up early. I was always an early get up early and turn on the cartoons while the rest of the family slept. But once now, once I was yeah, like eight, nine, ten. Once I started to have friends near the house and go out and play, that was the thing. I'm get not, up, get dressed, and go out and play. Now, I'm not saying after school I didn't watch cartoons. Well, that's what you, you said yeah, you hadn't uh, watched uh, the cartoons in second grade. No, I, I, I'm, talking, I'm talking in the morning. Oh, when I didn't realize you meant the morning. you're watching cartoons in the morning and stuff, and you're getting ready for school. No, it was sports center. But then after school, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll mess around with some Hey Arnold. <laughs> I don't know, Recess. John. You might have to change your topic here. Why is that? Because I'm really struggling. You gave it last night. I struggled. And it's hard. Today. I, so you're looking for 10 positives and you didn't want wise-ass answers? I found three. I'm telling you, some of the wise-ass answers that people are giving are pretty damn okay, good. Okay, well, if you would like to yeah. sample some of those wise-ass answers, let's hear a couple of them. All right, you ready? You yes. want one? Yes. Is this our YouTube community? Po- yeah. Positive? I'm positive there's going to be more 1 o'clock games next year. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that's good. good. That's a good that's one. That's a great one. Yeah. Really good one. That's yeah. a great one. I mean, that's not bad. I, th- I think we're going to, you know, uh, I think we might have to go that. I'll give you one, though, right. on a serious note, since yeah. you wanted this to be serious. And I'll put all of these lumped together so I don't see it. The special teams play of Jake Elliott, the punter, what's his name, man, and Britton Covey has that's been really good. I think the Eagles special teams are as good as any team in the NFL. So I'm going to give that. I, I have that as a positive. Okay. I like that as a positive. I like the one o'clock games as being by, a positive. <laughs> by the way, I wanted him. Uh, I wanted him fired after the Super Bowl. So the uh, you know special teams has taken a huge, huge turn. Yeah. And this year towards the positive. So I had that in the positive column. I had three. I had three. Which and I also had that I believe that they have found a piece in Reed Blankenship being a part of this team moving forward. I liked what I saw from Sidney Brown, not? but I, I you, I'm sorry, you. What, I liked you what I saw from Sidney Brown. Sidney yeah, Brown, Sidney sure. Brown was one that you can say, all right, that might be a piece moving forward. Man, I'll tell you what, I, just one of the pieces of tape I watched from Sunday of of Reed Blankenship standing totally flat footed and not. He was playing a spot. Nobody was in his spot. There was two guys to his right that needed to be covered, and he didn't move until a ball was thrown. I think we're over. I don't know. To me, 
I, I like the hustle. I like that he's kind of all over the place a little bit, but it reminds me of who was that linebacker that had all the tackles a couple years ago, Pat? Oh, God, Nate Gary? Uh, Alex Singleton. Alex Singleton. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's just go through the reminds me of bad, bad linebackers. Hey, yeah. Chris joins us on the Fanatic. Chris, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we doing today? We're good to have you on, buddy. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it, yeah. Uh, just wanted to know, Nick Sirianni at all his press conferences, you know, he says, this is about me. I know all coaches, you know, don't blame their players and all that stuff. But every time he says, this is all me, I got to do a better job play calling. I got to do a better job. Why doesn't anybody respond in that room and say, Nick, if this is all your fault, would you be okay being fired by Howie? That, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand why nobody goes at him and says, you're blaming yourself for all this collapse. What, would you be okay to be fired next year, at the end of the season? That's got to be in their back pocket, right, Chris? If they come out at the if they come out at the end of the year, Jeffrey Lurie you, and and uh, Howie Roseman, and say, "Well, you know, it was all laid out there for us because Nick told us every week it's on him, and what was on him the last seven eight weeks of the season wasn't good, and it, it was actually horrible." So no, it was, we didn't it was make really the decision. Bad. Nick made the decision for us. Oh gosh, I mean, too much. Pat was rewatching some of the plays from Sunday, and this person ended up being on his hit list. We'll get to some of that coming up. John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Every storyline, every angle of the Eagles is here. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. All week as they prepare for the NFL wild card. This is the John Kincaid Show. 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5TheFanatic.com. If you heard Nick Sirianni speak yesterday, you didn't really hear what he was saying until you hear Speak for Yourself with Bob Cooney, which comes up in a half hour here on 97.5 The Fanatic. So you want to make sure you are around for that. We appreciate everybody who's been jumping on board. And we've been seeing you uh, spiking up the online traffic, whether it's our great YouTube audience or those who listen daily on the app. Download the app, 97.5 The Fanatic app. Take us with you. Put us on in the office. Put us on when you're at the gym. You can uh, be able to uh, also go to 97.5TheFanatic.com. Check out all the digital content and more. Uh, Brees wanted to get in on our last topic. About the positives. Uh, Brees, you got any positives for us? Uh, yeah. Hey, good morning. Mr. Good morning. Okay, good morning, everybody. Hey, buddy. Uh, I would like to say at least it's um, w- w- the first one I'm going to start off with is the Philadelphia Eagles have finished over 500 three seasons in a row at, um, with Sirianni and Hertz as quarterback head coach combination. The Philly, the Philly push. Um, and, and the, uh, the tush push, on, yeah, yeah, that is paramount. That's our best play, and it's so emulated <laughs> around the league that everyone copies it. By the way, it was my that was my third one. Uh, uh, the the Eagles are the best short yardage team, arguably in the history of the NFL. Yes, and then uh, I got two more. Let's see. Okay, the other one is 
Jalen Carter is a stud. I, I didn't agree with drafting um, so early, but, hey, he is a stud. He's more than likely going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. And I got one more. I just can't remember what it is since I'm on the air. <laughs> we yeah, sorry, right, Brees. Brees did good. You did a good job, Brees. I mean, is and you cho- you got one of mine there. I uh, I I absolutely am am of the belief that the the brotherly shove, the tush push, and everything has they've found a way to redefine short yardage and to find a way to make it work. God, that's so damning to me. In his words, in Brees's words, their best play. Is the tush push, and you've discovered it. It's hard to argue it. Oh. Hard to argue that. Well, then, if you're arguing that a one-yard play is your best it's play hard, that you yeah, had, exactly, I got uh, you. You suck, okay? Because you should be able to get one yard. The way they do it, it's cool, it's fun, it's innovative. Nobody's ever done it before, and God is it successful. But if you're really going to say something that you do three times a game, maybe four, is the best is one of the be- best positives out of the season. My God, is that damning. It's my third. Wow. It's my third. Do you agree with me? Jalen Carter, the special teams unit as a whole, and the tush push. Those were my three. The the, the tush push is unstoppable. Short yardage, no other team in the NFL is unstoppable like the Eagles are. They're unstoppable. Yeah. And so, to me, that's a positive because you're doing something that – it's a big deal because nobody else can do it. But I agree with you completely. If that is your best play, <laughs> you got to get to a you got to get to a third one or a fourth right. and one to For, make it to make right. it even part of your game. Forget about the newness of it. Forget about the invention of it happening here. All of that, it, it is. It's it's unstoppable. But it's something that you do three at the most four times a game, and that's. I mean, that's hard for me to say. That's a positive. Yeah, it's it, wow. It's really that's hard. That's where this I is. I said 10. And Jalen Carter, not to argue with you, uh, wow. you know, on that. I do think he's, he's going to be defensive rookie of the year. He's been absent for five weeks, John. I, I, like, it, absent. I haven't heard his name. No, it absolutely has not been, but there is. there are reasons for it, and the breakdowns will show you. There's reasons for it. They're scheming against him. He is being. Okay, so, he is the. He is the. He is. He is the. I believe Pat. The odds are ridiculously for defensive rookie of the year. He's going to win it, but yeah, it, it is concerning to me that he has been absent. I mean, he had a a, a sack the other uh, two weeks ago, but it was a fingertip sack. Right. That, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the quarterback tripped. Right. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I think he's hit a wall for sure. Uh, I I don't know what's going on. He he definitely doesn't have the 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 jolt and the force and you're not noticing them nearly as much as you did early in the season and that might be scheme but that's also an indictment on who's next to him I mean because Jordan Davis has been the same way uh, Fletcher Cox usually lines up next to him like it's it's not it's not good right now in terms of the line the line's getting nothing the line's giving you nothing nothing there is a player though that you were watching yesterday from from Sunday's game that was troubling to you and it's a name that many people Pat aren't expecting that to be an issue. No, I, I think it's been an issue for, for two weeks now. And, and look, he's coming back from injury, but Avante Max was getting cooked. He was getting, really uh, we were, pissed. we were, we were looking at some of the, the, the plays from, uh, from Sunday and it was, it was bad. He was out of position. He was flat footed. And once again, he's coming back from injury and you know, hasn't played football in quite a while because of that injury. But this is, to me, my, my first thought was, okay, now it's the third cornerback that forgot how to play football under this defensive scheme. I mean, you've got Darius Slay, you've got James Bradbury, and now Avante Maddox has just forgotten how to play the position. And 
it, it's giving me more credence into thinking that, yeah, this, this, this coaching staff, whether it be Sean Desai, whether it be Matt Patricia, whether it be who's ever coaching the cornerbacks, they just don't have a clue how to put these guys in the right position. And, and, and it's the cornerbacks, but then it's also, as we just talked about, the line. You know, because you it could go you go down the down, down the list of defensive positions. The line's giving you nothing. The cornerbacks have forgotten how to play football. The linebackers are are putrid. They're just bad. I so I, I'm just looking at it like, man, the coaches on this team have instilled their their defensive scheme and not realize that this their defensive scheme does not fit the strengths of the players. Because it's one thing for one guy to fall off a cliff, but now to have Three cornerbacks just go, I don't know what's going on. And maybe maybe it has more to do with Patricia coming in and trying to instill some of his tactics, and now it's like having to learn a new system. Maybe it has more to do with that. But you to know, have all three cornerbacks just all of a sudden forget how to play the game it's of football? A, it's a troubling, it's a troubling secondary. Huh? It's terrible. The footwork is terrible. The You can just watch. When you watch the game again and you concentrate on the safeties and the D-backs, especially slots, they they are so confused out there about where they're supposed to go. I mentioned the play before where um, Tyrod Taylor rolled to his left and he had a guy curling short and a guy curling long, and you had an Eagles safety just standing there in a spot where nobody was, not moving, totally flat-footed, and not knowing where to go. Like, at least fake it as if you're covering somebody. They stood there. There was a play last night in the game. I think it was like third and six. Washington had like a third and six. I don't know if you guys remember this play or not. And Penix goes back to pass, and he throws like a little short out to the uh, flat. And it was one-on-one, just one-on-one. And the the corner on Michigan made a hell of a tackle, open field tackle, boom. Then they showed the replay. And the fight through that he had, because, you know, there was guys going all over the place, it was one-on-one coverage. And he just fought through it. It was like a, a guy covering a guy in the NBA. Like, you just fought through it with the footwork and all of that stuff and got to it. And I'm thinking, my God, I haven't seen that from the Eagles in weeks. I know that uh, Dork Boy yesterday had a little, uh, you know, is, is that what you call me, Pat? Dork Boy? Uh, yeah, nerd, dweeb. Nerd, dweeb boy. Uh, renewed virgin. I had to read the, uh, a lot of, do a deep dive on Matt Patricia, which wasn't fun. But just reading about what the biggest gripes were against him when he was in Detroit. And other than poor leadership and poor communication, which was discussed, which scares me. You know, as a guy who you're bringing him in as a coach and uh, the players in Detroit, poor leadership, poor communication. uh, Was the idea that secondary confusion. And it plays to that. And when I saw that that was on your list, I went, ah, that's interesting. Because the secondary does look worse. Yeah, it does. Under Patricia than it did. Oh, and so to I mean, me, that, and, that, and it already started bad. So like, could, it already wasn't good. So I mean, if, if secondary confusion is on his, uh, you know, resume there, that that scares me a little bit. It's I, I do not want to hear that Matt Patricia's back as the DC. Oh God, and man. I do not want, and I certainly hope that that's not going to be something that Nick Sirianni's going to try to do. I don't. I. I that would be okay, see, uh, egregious to say the least. I would yeah. agree with you. Oh, this is you know. Uh, there was one, somebody said it, I don't know if it was Twitter, wherever it was, it said, you know, Sean Desai should be really happy that Matt Patricia's having the lack of success that he's having because it makes him look far better than he was. <laughs> hey, yeah. Sean joins us. Hi, Sean. How are you, buddy? Hey, I, I figured it out. I, I, this is what's happening. The last five weeks, the Eagles have decided that it's more important not to cars than to have home field throughout. <laughs> oh, I, I, the, the weird thing is, the weird thing is, Sean. You say this, 
And Pat, do we have that sound bite from uh, Dallas Goddard that uh, you know pulled? Because I mean, you have to hear. We're 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 gonna we're gonna get this. I know that Brendan was finding it for us. Okay, good. Let's right. hear let's hear Dallas Goddard talk about what went on down the stretch. I just know everybody in this locker room is ready to you know go to work for the playoffs and. You know, ever since, what was it, four or five weeks ago when we clinched the playoffs, you know, I think everybody's just been waiting for the playoffs. So not something that, uh, you know, is a great thing, but I think everybody's going to be ready to go, and I think we're going to show the world what we're capable of. Okay, that's just a dumb thing to me, Sean. That's a dumb thing for me to hear. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be funny because I have no other. Answers. It's like, it's like they they literally look like a high school secondary where people are wide open. Did you watch that game last night? Oh my God! What Fundamentally sound. Like, oh, what happens to a college second uh, cornerback from the time they go to college to the? <laughs> So they get to the pros. These guys were on their receivers like white on right. Yeah, but here's the deal is Bob Cooney brought up something earlier today, and I wrote it down because I thought it was a great point. The physicality of the corners is something we don't see a ton of in the, in the NFL. That, there was a great physicality being played last night. Yeah, yeah, there was. And it was just it was so refreshing to, like, really tune into a game. And and I, I did. I had the comparisons going through my mind. I'm like, all right, let me watch this Michigan defense, which is really good, one of the best in college football, and let me compare, like, what do they do that the Eagles don't do? And I, I kind of had a one-word answer at the end of the night, and it was everything. That like, the, they do everything, no, they do everything that really the well. Don't By do. the way, the Eagles interviewed that defensive coordinator. They yes, did. Yes, they did. Their job, and well, they, they decided that Sean Desai, who wasn't ever really good at being a defensive coach, would have been a better fit. Well, if Jim Harbaugh goes to the NFL and he doesn't and he doesn't stay to be the Michigan head coach, I would imagine he would go with Harbaugh. I would imagine that he would. So you probably can't get him this time around, which is something that sucks. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. You know, if if, uh, if Jim Harbaugh goes to a place that isn't good, obviously, if you're having a new coach, sure. but they have an established defensive coordinator. I don't know. Does he have say does to say, say, no, you're out, and I'm bringing my own Oh, I own think guy? he's going to have whatever say he wants. Yeah, maybe. I think he's going to the NFL because he, he cheats too much in college football to stick around. I mean, two two suspensions in the same year. I think it's an embarrassment, honestly, for college football. To ah, you, ain't che- you ain't trying if you ain't cheating, John. The national championship coach was suspended twice for three games each time. Well, the NCAA is corrupt? No During way. the year. Tell They're, me more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're corrupt or he's corrupt? Uh, both. Well, I mean, that could be a... a Both what's are cor- true. What, what corruption is it? Are you oh, talking? I mean, I mean they'll, they'll sit there and... I think that... No, I think it sucks as an entity. Yeah. But corrupt? Yeah, I think they're corrupt. Yeah. What do you think they did that was I, 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 I think they will pick and choose what schools to target at times, and they ignore a blind eye. You can't tell me that, like, Georgia and Alabama and some of these SEC schools weren't paying players for years, but all of a sudden, you know, SEC... Uh, they, or the uh, USC ended up getting the the brunt of it for a little bit, and now it's Michigan. And, well, I like, think they, it's just, how you, they if, pick a target. They pick a target, and they hammer down, and then they hope to God that everybody follows suit, and they don't. Hey, I, I, had a college, trail. I had a college coach who was coaching in college at the time tell me, if the NCAA put anybody on any coaching or any college for two weeks, they're going to find things wrong. Absolutely. They're just going and to. There's gonna, and, and the rule book, have you ever seen the NCAA rule book? Uh, yeah, I It's have. like a phone book. Oh, yeah. I don't even know how somebody could manage to do that. Now, now, Pat and Bob say something to me often, on air and off, that I'm going to now say to them, because this is advice they constantly give me. 
and then they didn't follow it themselves. Ocho Cinco yesterday came with one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard about the Eagles and, and explanation, sort of sounding like Dallas Goddard down the stretch, that the Eagles were somehow playing possum. And Pat will say, who the hell's saying this stuff? Who are you, where are you finding this stuff on the internet? Or Bob will say to me, why are you even listening to someone like that? Why did the two of you listening to that kind of nonsense? Okay, first from of Ocho all. From Ocho Cinco, who is just clickbait. <laughs> you're, you're listening to Bob the Plumber. Okay. Uh, we're listening to a former... A former uh, all-pro wide receiver who who's is got a Hall of Fame case. Right, who's a clickbait. Who's, 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 trained, who's trained with Devontae Smith and right. trained with Quez Watkins. I'm not he saying I believe Philly it. For oh, he, yeah, does. he does. He yeah. really he is enjoying him. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm asking the question of, do you think that there's a sliver of chance that, yes, they did kind of play possum down the stretch? And no. I, that's, all my, that's all I'm asking. I mean, it's, ridic- it's, it's the most ridiculous premise right. that I've ever heard from Shoot anybody. Shoot down, King. I'm the not going to stop you. That he's going, it's the most ridiculous premise. We don't care about home field advantage. We don't care about having a, a bye week. We don't care about any of that. All we want to do is look like crap down the stretch, and then, and then we're going to turn it on and we're going to show people what we're about. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And Ocho Cinco is about clicks. That's what he's all about now, trying to get the clickbait. And, you, and, and people talking about that no NFL team is doing this, is rolling over and saying, yeah, we're going to look like crap down the stretch. I, we're going to get coaches fired. We're I, gonna- I'd put it at 99% to one. I mean, I agree with you. What would be the I'm, reason that they would that they would ever do this? I have no idea. That's the thing. I'm like just throwing you know, it out there. And Dallas Goddard kind of came out and said the same thing too. And yeah, well, we knew we were in the playoffs, and now that the playoffs are here, you'll yeah, really see. Yeah, but they didn't us. play possum. That's kind of why I brought up because for one for one person to say it's one thing for a player in the in the locker room to kind of hint at it as well. I I think they were just getting the the break speed off of them. I don't think it was okay, guys. Let's have a concentrated effort to go out there and suck. Yeah, Dallas, I think is playing cover your ass. I think Dallas Goddard is trying to come up with, well, I'm not just going to admit that we look like garbage and we got guys. Now, I do believe there are guys in the locker room who may have said, well, we're already in and maybe they exhale a little bit. Maybe they got that exhale going, we're not going to blow this. We've got those easy games at the end of the year. Yeah, and, and I saw somebody analyzing yesterday saying they may have had that attitude all season long. Uh, a little uh, bit of whether a, they knew it or not, you know, you lose in the Super Bowl. You're a heavy favorite to go back. You're a heavy favorite, obviously, to win the NFC, both both your division and the conference. Uh, do you come in with a kind of attitude of that? Uh, it's all tied in. You hear uh, what Chad Johnson said yesterday. You also hear what Hargrave said yesterday about man, San Francisco. We practice. We didn't practice in Philly. We practice hard I here in that. San Fran. We didn't really do that in Philadelphia. Nope. So you kind of tie it all together, and you just wonder, all right, what, what does all this mix really mean? The Eagles do not practice like the Cowboys practice. They don't, cow- they don't practice like San Francisco practices. They don't practice like Detroit practices. So the three teams that, you know, the top three seeds in the NFC, the, the, the attitude they take about practice, they practice hard. The Eagles practice easy. The well, Eagles practice funny. The Eagles practice soft. So, say you're Dallas, Detroit, uh, San Francisco, and last year you practiced the same way you did this year. You practice hard. Right. And then you watch this team go to the Super Bowl and you say, wow, they they take a lot of days off and they they go in in shells an awful lot. Wouldn't you try to emulate that? None of them change. Wouldn't that be some of But they double down. I don't know if they – I'm not going to even pretend to know the practice habits of Detroit, San Fran, or Dallas. All I'm saying is with a copycat league, which every league is – 
you know, if you practice your ass off and it came up short and you're watching a team and you say, damn, that's how they do it? They don't really go hard at a, you know, in, 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 in full pads and tackle and they're in the Super Bowl at 14-3? and three? Maybe I should try that a well, little it's, bit. It's really easy to say not only knowing the Shanahan practice method, but it's very easy to read what these teams do. Dan Campbell, they, they, they show it pretty much every pregame show, talking to players about how Dan Campbell practices his team. How they work, how they get, they have fun together, but he believes that you have to be physical and you got to be a physical team in every aspect of what you do. This is a different strategy here. Now, last year it worked. It worked. This year it's not. It's not working. But it's just a, uh, people pile on too. And I think that's part of it, like with Hargrave. People pile on. I didn't think Hargrave was, comp- was complaining about it when he was here. I didn't hear anything from him. No, I don't think a lot of veterans are complaining about not <laughs> practicing. I think that's one of the things why Nick Sirianni is considered a player's coach. I, I agree with you. I think he consulted the veterans and asked their opinion on it, and they have a large say in it. But to, to Bob's point, like last year, we weren't really questioning the practice habits, so I'm no. not going to blame the coaching staff for going into this year and having those same practice habits. I would do the same thing. See, I, you know, if it worked last year, I'm going to do the same thing and hope that it works this year. See, I wouldn't, and the only reason why I think that it's not is because you had two inexperienced coordinators that had to teach their plan. And that might have been... So like ultimately, those, the coordinators are going to be the downfall of this team. I mean, it Nick seems Sirianni, that way. whoever chose them, I don't, I, you know, and the fact that we don't know, and the fact that every week it's like, you know, there's a, there's the caveat of well, you know, remember Brian Johnson is dealing with Nick Sirianni's system, and we have no idea how how much the fingerprints that Nick Sirianni even has in this offense, well, which is amazing to me that he's the head coach. He's supposed to be an offensive mind and we don't know what he does. And we're just assuming that he, you know, every once in a while he jumps in and he calls plays. We have no idea what plays he is calling. Uh, there's never any clarity on that situation. It's just like, it, it, okay, well, I'm just supposed to take their word for it that, you know, he at times he, he jumps in and he calls plays. But we do know from Adam Schefter that, that, Adam Schefter told us last week that Nick Sirianni was heavily involved in picking these guys and was all in on them. Yeah, and that's so. And I that's, mean, like, there's, a, there's been a narrative that well, Jeffrey Lurie and uh, and and Howie Roseman picked the coordinator, and he had nothing to say about it, and that was pretty much like totally shot down by Adam Schefter last week on our show. He'll join us again tomorrow, by the way. I want to get Ian in here. Ian, you wanted to talk about the coordinators with us on 97.5 The Fanatic. Good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. Hey, real quick uh, on this Poffin thing. We, I called you guys like week seven, and we talked about this. And, uh, John, you said, well, if they're doing that, it's complete arrogance on their part. And, and I don't believe they would ever do that. I, so I don't believe it, but I'll say this. If they go out and they get back to the Super Bowl and beat San Fran, then, then what? If they come out well, and start running motion all of a sudden, then we're looking like maybe they were. But to the coordinator thing, um, remember Sirianni and Denard Robinson, or Denard Wilson, not Denard Robinson. Denard he, let Wilson. De- he let Denard Wilson go. Yeah, he let him go. And where is he? In Baltimore, Yep, their secondary is playing phenomenal. He's working with a buddy of mine, Chuck Smith, who, uh, you know, former Falcon. And Denard, Denard, Denard is extremely well thought of. Exactly. And, I mean, so and they have a great... He let him go. That, well... He, and I, and to me, here's the thing that's a problem with that. Ian, what I was, what I've been told is that Denard Wilson was the obvious choice of the players, right? 
And right. whether that was, well, we want to go a different direction, I'm not sure. But Denard Wilson was a popular, popular guy. And now he's a popular, popular guy in the Baltimore Ravens locker room, helping them be dominant. Those Ravens look, Bob, they look amazing. They, they, yeah, they really they're fun do. to watch. And Lamar, I've been a guy who's always, and I say, hey, I want to see Lamar do it in the postseason because I think that's when you got to do it. But he has been outstanding. I mean, he, he, he looks absolutely fantastic. He's your MVP right now. Man, really, he is just, he's tearing it up right now. Although, I, th- I, st- I think I'd give it to Christian McCaffrey. I would, too. Yeah, I think I would. McCaffrey would be my guy that I would, I, I think he deserves it. But, you know, the, what do they say? It's a quarterback award? Yeah, it is. You know, they tend to give it to you. You know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, who was the last uh, non-quarterback to win? Was it AP? Might have been Adrian Peterson, yeah. Did Derrick Henry win? I don't think so. No. Yeah, normally it's just a quarterback award. Man. Hey, uh, 610-632-0975, you want to get some things off your chest, you're more than willing, uh, you're more than open to do so. Bob Cooney's going to tell you what Nick Sirianni really said yesterday. You may have heard him talk, but you didn't hear what he said. Not until you hear Bob sort of read between the lines for you. John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. The real and inside story on the birds as they get ready for the NFL wild card. The John Kincaid Show, 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5thefanatic.com. We get to hear from Nick Sirianni a few times a week. And I think it's good to be able to have somebody to sort of read between the lines and give us an idea about how it's really supposed to be deciphered. Because a lot of times we're thinking we know what the head coach is saying. Or we immediately doubt. I've gotten to the point where I tune out a lot of what Nick Sirianni's saying because he doesn't tell us anything, and he purposely doesn't do that. Well, Bob Cooney's an expert at this. He's done it a long time. Let's have a speak for yourself. And now it's time for Bob Cooney's Speak for Yourself. Here's Bob. Yeah, you're right, John. He doesn't make it easy an awful lot. (laughs) So uh, sometimes you just have to dive Real deep. Sure. Get those brain cells working as far as trying to decipher exactly what Nick Sirianni might be saying at these beautiful press conferences. Yeah, they're not really beautiful. Yeah, though. not they're really not. beautiful at all. Okay, one of the first things he was asked about yesterday was the defense. And is there some kind of a lack of communication going on there with all the changes with the coordinators? There's going to be some times where we miss the fit or we miss the play. There's going to be times where we miss the tackle. There's going to be times that we have a communication error, and that communication error can be between player and player, coach and player, player and coach. And so, yeah, I mean, you'll have some of those, and I think that's common through any game. You try to limit those as much as you possibly can. And so I wouldn't say a huge communication error thing. It just it hasn't been good enough all the way around, as we all have seen. As we all have seen. He is very correct there. Yeah, we've well, seen it's funny. It. He talks about, you know, sometimes it's miscommunication, player, coach, coach, player, player, player. And he, and he goes through all this litany of, well, this can go wrong, and this happens during a game, and that goes wrong, and that... I got to tell you, has it become defensively that the bad, the wrong, as he speaks of, is more prominent than the good? Yes. I mean, I'm not kidding. I I think it is. I don't think it's being unfair. No, like last night I'm watching that Michigan team play. They had so much more good going on defensively than the limited mistakes that you'll see here and there. With the Eagles, it's almost every play that you're seeing mistakes. and. Missed assignments. I, it, it's like, exactly like why that. I know how bad, believe me, I know how bad Tampa Bay is. 
I still don't think this Eagles team can beat anybody right now. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, second thing we brought up uh, he would, that was brought up to Nick Sirianni was how many times when you get adjusted, are you trying to get adjusted to a new coordinator? What, what, how does the defense acclimate to that? Yeah, you got to understand, too, that we're not completely changing to just Matt's philosophy. Matt's also doing things to fit the defense that's currently in place. So to me, that's not what the issue is going on. You know, are we doing some different things and some new things? Yeah, of course, but we're doing some different things and new things on offense as the year progresses. You know, that we're very conscious of that, you know, and we and we understand that. When you put a new something new in, every detail has to be ironed out, and every offense that you go against has to be, you know, to be prepared for with that scheme that you're putting in. And so that's done with with thought in mind. Really, I don't, it's, I, I don't agree with it. It's, it's done with <laughs> thought in mind. Doing some different things, yeah, uh, okay, but he's also doing things with the defense that's currently in place. So that's not the issue. Like. Are, I don't. I don't want to dive. I, I always say to you, like half of what they say is not right. But when when a coach gets to thinking and talking, and you can tell when he's really th- believing what he's saying, you, you just can. And the more he goes on, he goes, yeah, well, you know, Matt's putting in his own stuff, but he's also keeping it. So that's not the issue, really. Like, do you, do you seriously not see that that is an issue? Is that just BS because you don't want to put, you know, Matt Patricia under a bus? Maybe, but in that part of the interview session yesterday, it seemed to me he was going on and on and on. And you can kind of tell, at least my trained ear, I think I can tell, when they're starting to talk what they really believe. I think he really believes that. I think he really believes that Matt Patricia is putting in place what we already have, but he's also putting his own spin on it. So that's not the issue. Well, that's a scary thought. First two plays of the game, you dropped Hassan Reddick back into coverage. If you don't think that's an issue... Okay, uh, third question he was asked that I wanted to bring up here was, how difficult has it been to be a coach while you're going through a stretch like this? I think anyone can lead, you know, when times are easy. Uh, you know, when times are hard, this is when you, you see what you're made of and how you lead. And so I look at it as a challenge that I know we can get out of this slump that we're in. It's my job to, to make sure that we do. And I look at it as a challenge and how sweet it will be when we do get out of it because I know we will and I know we got the right guys to get out of it. And so, like I said, anybody can lead in times of great joy. What's inside you and what can you do in times of trials and tribulations? And so I look at it as a challenge and I'm damn for sure up for that challenge. Okay. Really? I'll give him that. I'll give it to him. He's damn for sure? Well, at least he's saying he knows that things are bad right now because how many times have we lamented about him coming out there and saying, no, it's it's okay, everything's good, everything's good. At least he's addressed that. I I don't know if somebody took a shovel and hit him on the side of the head and said, yo, dude, you've lost five of six. Um, Your team probably might be one of the worst in the NFL right now. Uh, So at least he acknowledged it. And whether he's up for the challenge or not, I don't know. But at least he's acknowledged. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll admit it. Things aren't going all that good. All right, the last thing, uh, he was asked about Jalen Hurts, and this is Zach Berman question, and what observations he may have about how he's handled the game when he went back in the other day. He looked at me and and he said, I'm going. Got his helmet, picked it up, and, and that gives you goosebumps to think about you know, one of your best players doing that and fighting through for his teammates. But I have no doubt that he's going to do everything he can do to do that and that he'll be able to play through his bumps and bruises because I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it over and over and over again. 
And I can't say enough for how tough he is. And he'll do everything he can do to play and play at a high level this Monday night. You know, we didn't really talk about this much yesterday, and maybe we should have. And I didn't, I didn't really hear it on the other shows, but I was running around yesterday, so I didn't get to listen as much as I like. But when you see your quarterback raise his middle finger, and it's obviously... Uh, mangled. Yeah, it's mangled. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dislocated? Dislocated, yeah. Wow, thanks, Pat. But it's obviously dislocated. My question here is, you took him out two series later. Why did you put him back in the game? Great, he picked up his helmet and you got goosebumps because he said, I want to play again. Isn't there a point where you're like, you know what, Jay? I'm going to make a decision here. Yeah, granted, it's only a 6 nothing game or whatever the score was at the time. I'm going to take you out in a little bit anyway. Nah, sit down. Why did you why, – why did he I, go back I, in I the game? I was surprised when he went back in the game. Yeah. But it was, again, he said it is maybe at that point you said to yourself, well, it's, it's still a two-score game, a turnover. Yeah, but only he it's had 20, in his mind. I got you. I got you. That he was going to take him out. No, I got you, but like it's the idea is like two score game. Yeah, maybe we could. And you're trying a, to find there's a something. crazy turnover, you know. Even though the game, they knew the game didn't mean anything at that point, so that probably doesn't hold true. Yeah, so that, and maybe that's why we didn't talk about it because none of us really thought it at the time. And was Dallas we've won all, so easily? Yeah, like, you know. we've all seen dislocation. Some of us have done it to our own fingers and different joints and stuff like that. And a lot of times you can just pop it back into place, and it's sore as hell, but. Uh, uh, I yeah, I, I wonder if we should have talked about that a little bit more. That he was putting his his quarterback after getting hurt again in in harm's way. Oh yes, uh, yeah. I don't I know. Mean, he but, did. He didn't but, put it on. He did put him in harm's way. Uh, well, it's good to, to hear that he got goosebumps though when when Jalen Hurts picked up his helmet and you know he toughed through a dislocated finger. Yeah, yeah. You, you I'm, never I'm did cringing. That. No, I'm cringing. Oh, I have. Oh, oh no, I have. I, I, I told you, I dislocated my thumb, and it was going in an like an opposite direction. It was terrible, and I swear it's never felt the same. Yeah, it's yeah, never mine, ever felt the same. I still have a bone out of whack. Oh, that this. is really odd. <laughs> that is really odd looking. I got a cut. The worst injury, you know, I, I've been on the court when guys tore ACLs and all that, but you can't really see it. One of the worst injuries I ever saw was a uh, kid uh, I was playing against. I don't know if I was playing against but he went down and his kneecap went up into his thigh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, oh, was, that, that was a wild one. I've never oh, seen anything like that before. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. But, what happened? What happened I, uh, they to took, him? I, I know the team. I know who it was. I know they took him off the court. It was high school, so you don't. You never. You didn't get an injury update, John. You know what there's I mean? There's some guy, Pat. There's some guy walking around in South Jersey right yeah, now. Yeah, and he's got like a bump in his mid thigh. Dude, I wish you didn't say that. Oh, that's, that's terrible. My eyes. Just thinking God, about that. That just gave me the cringes. Yeah, that's just thinking about that. Is just, all right. You get oh, fixed and you go back. No, it's not all right, dude. Oh, things happen. Uh, no, you don't have to say that. Wow, I don't like that. Don't oh know. my gosh. Now I, it's like I can. It's one of those things I can. I feel like I can feel. <laughs> yes, that's bad. Yeah, that is really bad. That was a bad one, Bob. You didn't do us any sorry. favors. Apologize. Yeah, exactly. Just don't anyway, talk that was Nick Sirianni hours. talking to everybody yesterday. That was Bob Cooney just giving you something to cringe Dr. on. Doctor Bob, or better or worse. Holy Bob, holy, oh lordy, lordy, lordy. We appreciate you being a part of the John Kincaid show and listening as long as you do. Uh, it is uh, greatly appreciated as you are a part of the show. You remember how the last playoff trip went in Tampa? Todd Bowles and his staff famously mocking Jalen Hurts where they could pick it up on the sideline 
the, the sideline uh, microphones. Last year, it looked like that event changed him. In fact, Jalen Hurts spoke of it on a few occasions of how that performance in Tampa drove him to what was a pretty much an MVP season last year. I think we all agree that if he, he doesn't get injured against the Bears, that he would have been the MVP last year. He would have beaten out Patrick Mahomes. This year, we see regression. I think it's sort of ironic that he goes back to the scene of the crime, the place where what drove him to an MVP season, he gets a chance to have like a do-over on a playoff stage, this time as the favorite, this time as a guy who is far more accomplished, and to get to show Todd Bowles and his staff, yeah, I'm ready for the challenge. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I mean this uh, this Packers or Packers this Buccaneers defense has been playing pretty good lately. Oh yeah, they too. they're tenth you in know, the NFL, I believe, overall. Yeah, you had a shutout against the Panthers last week, horrible Panthers team. But then you only give up thirteen to the Saint or twenty three to the Saints the week before, and then a succession of 12, 20, 25, 18, 20. Like you know, they're 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 playing pretty good defense. So it's got to be what they rely on right now with Baker Mayfield. You know, not fully healthy. Them only scoring nine points last week in a in a game that they had to have to go to the playoffs, only being able to get three field goals. So their offense isn't really, I don't know, something that you should fear if you're a normal football team. But, you know, you're the Philadelphia Eagles, and you're playing pretty much the most horrible defense in the league right now. So you have to be fearful of Baker Mayfield, whether he's limping, throwing left-handed, or has his eyes shut. I'm more wondering what Jalen Hurts does on this stage versus a Todd Bowles defense because – Pat, that's got to be – it's got to stick with him that, that like, Bowles and his staff, yeah. like, sort of commenting that they had him figured out. But you know what? The, the, the broadcast said the same thing on Sunday, and it's true. Like, the game plan on Jalen Hurts is to make him go to his left. Now, he has improved, and the broadcast pointed that out. Charles Davis was, was key to point out that it has improved. But numbers-wise, it is the game plan for most teams to, to shuttle him to the left and make him throw the ball and – uh, that's kind of what Todd Bowles' message was two years ago. Was look, you just he can't read a defense, so force from the left, and it's not going to go well. It didn't go well, and and Sunday he looked looked like the the quarterback from Tampa. He did. He was running for his life. He was throwing the ball out of bounds. He was trying to you know stay alive and and, and keep things going, but no one was getting open. It was it was gross. Um, I think the the team and the offense has come a long way since that game in Tampa. I think he's come a long way since that game in Tampa. Uh, and, we, and we saw that. We saw that in week three. But this team, and, and a lot of beat writers have pointed out, Zach Berman has pointed out, this team looks a lot different than the team that we saw in week three. Normally you watch teams get better a little bit, and this team's gotten worse. And that's that's the most troubling thing to me. Like I think the offense will put up points, but you're, you know, I don't, I, the defense is questionable to me. It's crazy how his uh, his first year – the lasting impression pretty much was they got to the playoffs, but that Tampa game, I think it's what everybody thinks of that Tampa game from the first year. And then his second year an MVP year ends in the Super Bowl. He duels toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and he gets to do like the idea of getting a do over on this stage. I think it's also sort of ironic that his third year could end like his first year. You lose a wild card game. You lose a wild card game to Tom Brady as a first-year starter, nobody should say a word. And we didn't ri- we didn't kill him for it. No. But you lose to this Tampa Bay team with this roster 
a year after being in the Super Bowl, the NFC champions, I think you have every right to be ripped. I think you have every right. If you don't go out there and show out on a playoff stage, I'm going to have questions. I, I, I honestly, I'm going to have questions about what's going on. And that's exactly why, uh, for me, if, if they lose that game, uh, you got to clean house. Because everything you said is right. Like, this is a bad Tampa Bay team. And you have reason to be motivated. If you can't go out and perform, uh, I'm, I'm questioning a lot. It's back to the future. It really is. It's back to that first year. Great Scott. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you, yeah. And, and you wonder, all right, Todd Bowles has him in his back pocket once. Is it something that he can just read so well again that Todd Bowles really has Jalen Hurts figured out? Uh, it's scary going into it, especially with the way this Eagles team is performing right now. All right. Now, now, yesterday, Bob, we didn't really get a chance to get to this too much, but um, uh, you said no biggie when it came to the Sixers' bad weekend. Back-to-back home games, Sixers playing the Knicks and getting embarrassed on Friday night, then Saturday losing to a Jazz team that is very uninspiring. And I got to tell you something that bothered me about Friday night. And you can correct me on this and say, John, you're completely off base on this. I believe Friday night Nick Nurse was putting Joel Embiid in a game where they were getting crushed with a game the next night. He is limping on the court. He's obviously, he did something to tweak that ankle. I think it was the late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. And I believe he kept Joel Embiid in the game to get his 30-point streak. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm convinced that's the only reason I could think about it. He was limping, and, and, and the game was out of control. And you have a game the next night, and you end up having to sit him the next night. Yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I'm not for all that. I don't, I don't do care you believe about it? Do you believe that's that. a conspiracy theory, or, do you, um, or could you see that being true? It's something special that he's doing, so maybe, you know, he didn't want to take away from that on a night where the team really didn't have it. And he was all um, right. You know, he was playing all right. Yeah. I, I just thought there was a weird thing. Like, New York shot the crap out of the ball. They shot so well that night. Sometimes you can't overcome it. You get to a second half, and you could tell that Nick Nurse had a talk with them and said, look, they shot great. Jalen Brunson was great. Even Chenzo shot great. Like, they're not going to shoot like that all game. That's always going to be your message. They're not going to shoot like that all game. You can get yourselves back into it. And they did. Like, the Sixers played really good defense in that third quarter. But they couldn't capitalize offensively. I, it seemed like for a half hour, the Sixers cut it to 12 and could get no closer. Neither team was scoring. Oh, my God. They kept, right? they kept turning the ball over. Sixers would get stops, but they couldn't score. Another stop, couldn't score. Uh, and then it started to get out of range, and that's when I kind of uh, tuned out. And I, I chalked it up to, first of all, Jalen Brunson's really good. Well, he really is. And I can't stand watching a left-handed point guard because there's such an advantage. I've said it how many years since you've been here, John? You always I, he, Yeah, I just and he's got that old man game, and he's a good shooter and all of that. That was the night that you lose. Then Did the you- next night, you don't have Joel Embiid. Okay, I, I said no biggie because of... Uh, one, the effort that they gave after the Knicks shot so well really impressed me. Okay, yeah. When they, they, came out, they didn't just They didn't lie, overcome right, it. Right, they right. Didn't, and, and, yeah, I do think Embiid was a little, you know, he, he hurt that ankle or whatever again. Uh, then they lose the next night without Embiid. Okay. I equated it to, if you go back, remember how I always say, the first game after a long road trip at home is always the hardest. They had a long road trip, but... They had a long road trip without Joel Embiid. When they came back, boom, he's in the lineup. So I didn't consider that that. 
So I'll replace those two games with coming back from a road trip. Okay. That's why I call it no I I just, um, like to me, I was a little surprised with the keeping Joel Embiid in that game on yeah, Friday I didn't, night. I it, didn't make it. Any, it didn't make any sense to me when he was limping around. And then you didn't use him the next night. And you kept him in to get 30 points. I, 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 I thought personal accolades, it's team. Team. And that's something that Nick Nurse talks about, writes about in his book. Yeah. Team. Everybody being team. Not about personal stats or awards no, or whatever. I don't. I didn't care for it. Sometimes you get caught up in the moment of, all right, let me get something good out of tonight. You no, know, I, I always tell you, you always want to extract something out of a game. Uh, what did you get? What did you, was your takeaway? That they had fight in them? I did. I, I really, if fight. I'm looking for a positive, I like the way they came out of the locker room. I like that you could tell a coach had a plan. And they started jumping out on Jalen uh, Brunson on picks. Instead of just sitting back and him getting one-on-one or going under a pick and him getting an open three, they jumped the ball. They jumped the ball with Jalen Brunson. It was cool to see that uh, uh, they made a plan. It was working. They just couldn't get over the hump offensively to get themselves back in the game. Our own Brendan Gunn here from the uh, John Kincaid Show was uh, working with D. Lynham that morning, and I'm out for my walk. And uh, D starts the show with the Sixers lost to Villanova last night. Yeah, right. In that game, that's a uh, it, that is uh, certainly something that worked in their favor uh, a little bit there. Bob says that the Eagles are the same as a television show from years past. Pat, it might be one of your old cartoons. You never know. We'll find out which one it is next. It's the John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Every story. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Line. Every angle of the Eagles is here all week as they prepare for the NFL Wild Card. This is the John Kincaid Show, 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5TheFanatic.com. Tim McManus will tell you why if you think somebody quit, it's not probably appropriate around this Philadelphia Eagles team. You'll hear that yesterday from the best show ever. It was really entertaining stuff. Great to hear that. John Kincaid show on 97.5 The Fanatic. Timmy's my kind of reporter. What is it about, what is it about Tim that you like so much? Just like a lot of uh, guys in this uh, in this city, is it's just straightforward. Um, you know, has a good eye and ear for things. And, and just uh, oftentimes what you hear from him is exactly what's going on. And sometimes it's, you know, raises your eyebrows, make your jaw drop a little bit. But Tim's usually spot on. I think you get a little bit more uh, too. When Tim comes on to do an interview, and I hear you guys have Tim on on the pregame show, Tim has an opinion when asked, but when he's doing his job, he's a reporter. And I think that's what I admire the most is I never hear opinion in his work unless he's writing like a column on something. Mm-hmm. or story. And, and to me, I think that that's something that I really admire because I think that would be the hardest part of doing the job you used to do and the job he does is – Reporter and columnist are two different jobs. Sure. And sometimes now reporters become 
opinionators and the line gets a little the line gets a little blurry yeah you have to know exactly what the line is exactly you know where you're going with things and uh, it's fun sometimes to take off the the jacket of reporter and and being able to express your own opinions that's why it was so much fun when i was on the beat people like pat would call me and andrew to come on you know this station and 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 you took pat's calls give my opinions oh my god i took pat's calls all the times and I, was, I only refused him once i have told him this before bob cooney this is no lie was my favorite guest to get on <laughs> because when you're when you're a producer doing we're doing the weekend shifts yes it's not easy to get guys to to agree to come on and bob was always always yeah yeah no problem hey, yes. hey i can't do two o'clock but how about three o'clock like he would always bend over backwards to to try to help you out in that situation and He'd come say, on. i'm that guy yeah I'm, he, he, I'm was, that guy. he was you can count on he was yeah which i like now uh, i love pat and then i actually like got to know him and it was like then oh, you really started man, this guy pain. was this guy was faking it the entire time now uh <laughs> i would say to you bob when you you piqued my interest with the eagles being you know, compared to a television show, you know that I I love my old TV, my my TV shows, always a good thing. So I was trying to figure out what television show do the Eagles remind you of? This year's Eagles Club remind you of? I'm I'm trying to look up the year that this that this show came out, uh, but I I would I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. It was me after Mr. Magoo, I'm sure. If you which guys Pat already used yeah, on this morning, if you guys watched it, and I'm sure you did. Okay, I would say it's within the last. I want to say ten to fifteen years. Okay, maybe. Uh, it had a horrible ending. I know what you're saying, and that show is lost. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say Sopranos. As soon as he no. said 15 years thought, horrible ending, I knew exactly what he was talking about. Is that about the right time frame? Probably. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. no, that's right, yeah. Probably 2010. And I, I don't say that like, you know, uh, let's compare it to a TV show. I, I swear to God, watching that game again. Now, I only watched the first half because the second half was kind of non-consequential and all. And <laughs> after watching again, the first half seemed non-consequential. But I'm not, watching guys not in position, watching plays run that made no sense, watching defensive players totally, and I mean totally lost out there. Uh, yeah, that's what I came to the conclusion because I always, I'll come away from a game and I'll try to say, okay, what's the one word you want to describe that game? Whether I go to a high school game and I'm driving home, whatever. I, yeah, that was the one word that I had again watching one half of football yesterday, that Eagles-Giants game. They look lost, and it's not a good place to be. It's you're lost in that you don't know where your coach wants you to be. You're lost in that I'm not trusting myself to react to a play. You're lost in that you're not trusting yourself to um, anticipate a play. Okay. Like I always told my kids when you know, I, I wasn't that father of, oh, you need to do this. I would once in a while just you know try to give advice. One of my advice always was, don't try not to be the reacting player, be the anticipating player, which means, all right, you're there before it happens. Not so much. Oh, they did this. Now I have to react. Yeah. There's going to be times when you have to react. You never see anticipation from the Eagles anymore no. because they just don't know where they're supposed to be. I, I equated almost to when we got older and we were still playing in leagues, at least for myself and my mind knew where I wanted to go on the basketball court. But my body wouldn't let me like it did when I was 18 because I was 35 years old. And it was like, shh. It dragged you back, yeah. Shoot, I want to be over there. But, man, my body just ain't getting me there. I really do equate it to their bodies don't know where to go right now because they are just lost. And they've got the physical body to be able to pull it off, but it's the mental. Everybody in the NFL should, yeah. Instinctive. There's nothing instinctive about this defense right now. 
No. You know, there was a line one time. I may have used it or heard it. But sometimes you look at your players that are really talented and you just say, stop thinking. You're too stupid to think. I'll think for you. I'm the coach. You're way so – you're so athletic. That's why I have you on the court ice field. You just react. I'll do the coaching. Don't think. Just react. And you're right, John. I don't see any of that from them right now. It's a – that's a scary thing. Now, lost – Pat, you're as a uh, TVite. Yeah. uh, Lost a a, a terrible – terrible uh they 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 were exposed early on because they kept trying to tell people the the finale of the show people figured it out within the first year second well, year they the the creators damon lindelof said it wasn't purgatory and they lied repeatedly and then it became clear that like this coaching staff they had no plan whatsoever <laughs> and they were like crap we gotta wrap this thing up what are we gonna do uh i, I got no idea what about you i got no idea uh let's do a bubble screen i mean let's do purgatory I can't believe, Pat, that they uh, didn't have a, like, as far as they didn't realize when they sat down to, you know, create that show, they did not say, people are going to figure out this is purgatory. They, they, just, I, they just didn't have a plan. And this they coaching really staff is much of the same. They, they went to the lazy well, and this coaching staff goes to third and 15 bubble screens. And it, it, results, in the, it results in the same reaction. 15 years ago, I was pissed off about the ending of the loss, and Today, I'm pissed off about the ending to most football games. When you said 15 years ago, Bob, you know, a show ended like 15 years ago, whatever it was, and uh, that uh, bad ending, I thought Sopranos. I thought that was, I liked the Sopranos ending because of the fact that I got to, I was one of the only people, because I sort of got to make my own idea of what happened. Yeah, I if, you, if you're following a show for years, like the Sopranos, I think it was six years, if you follow a show, obviously you love it. You love the show. Right. I always said this to people. You're not going to like the ending because it's over. Right. Whether it's a good end, ending. Uh, see, or, that. You know, like, you're not going to like it most likely because it's ending oh, okay. the show. Yeah, I'd say most likely because, like, you do have, like, a Breaking Bad that I thought wrap was up. A, I thought it was a pretty good ending. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Friday Night Lights was another show that I watched in real time and I liked that wrap up. But for yeah. the most part, yeah, you're right. If, if you, you're if honest you with yourself, yeah. you're going to be like, uh, okay, that was a good ending. But damn, the show's over. What are the odds that we like the ending on the, on Monday well, night? Uh, uh, a week. A I week. Think we, from, I think we, I think we, well. I think we're going to, I, I think they're going to win. I really so do I, I think I they're going to win. I would equate the ending to Monday to like the last season, and I know you guys didn't watch the show, to Game of Thrones, where you're sitting there going, all right, it just needs to end. It needs to wrap up. You're probably one episode, and in this case, one game away from the finale, and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over this. Right. We need to end this because I, I don't see a situation where they go out there and they hammer the Bucks by 25, 30 points, which probably they should because they are the more talented team. But the way that they're limping into the playoffs right now, I think it's going to be another frustrating game where we're going to be sitting there going, how the hell did you only beat the Bucks by three well, points? Well, nobody, nobody boat races the Bucks by 20 or 30 points, though. So that's the only thing I would look at is even when they lose, they don't tend to lose that badly. No, they're, so, they're, defense. they're a good defensive team. They're a top 10 defensive team. You know, I I had a line yesterday with a friend. I meant to bring this up to you guys earlier, but I, I said it, and it didn't really make sense, but I knew what I meant. I'll see if you guys do. <laughs> He's like, you think the Eagles win on Sunday or Monday? And I said, if they do, it'll be because Tampa Bay lost. Wow. wow. I don't I think mean, this team is good enough to beat anybody right now. I just don't. I think San Francisco broke the Eagles, and I think the Eagles have broken Bob. As far as you're like you're 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 just like you do not believe in them, and they. By the way, you no, have every not a little re- bit, and you have every reason not to. 
I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't share your opinion on the game, but I do think they they've broken you. Yeah, you know, your faith. You guys know me, and I think the listeners know me now. I I, I don't. I, I never ever go for hot takes. I just no, tell you how I really feel, and I have a base of truthness about me about how I feel, and I I do. I try to tell the truth on this show all the time. I truthfully don't think this team right now, as the way they're playing, can beat pretty much anybody in the NFL. Hey, uh, Terrence, thank you for holding on, buddy. You're on 97.5 The Fanatic. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing all right, buddy. Good. I uh, Well, two things. One, I think this team dramatically misses C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I, I wouldn't have paid him, but I think he kind of shored up the back end of the defense, and I think we're missing that dramatically. Um, but I have a question for you guys. Do you think, and this is coming from me, where I – I think we should fire Sirianni not because I'm being reactionary, but because there's so many red flags as the things he can't do as a head coach. Um, but do you think that firing him if things go terribly on Monday is a red flag to other coordinators that are that or basically any head coach prospect as like would we be the red flag to where you don't want to go to that organization because no matter how successful you are your seat's never safe i you know that that's an interesting thought and i appreciate your call terrence and we'll talk about it here is that uh um again i i've I've talked to some people in nfl circles and it's the same thing that we say about nick sirianni i don't believe he's the most popular guy around the league either and so i absolutely don't think that sending Nick Sirianni to the door would be like other people would say, man, they treated that Nick didn't deserve to be treated that way. I don't think he's a popular character. Uh, in, in probably not. We, we talked about that when, when the antics were going on, right? We said, yeah, you love it as a fan base because they're 14 and three yep. going to a Super Bowl. They're 10 and one. He can do those things. It's cool. You laugh at it. But we did say at the time, I know I, I, I particularly came on here and said, you know, you got to watch that stuff because around the league, you know, people take that to heart, and they don't forget that. Um, I don't think anybody would be going, man, I feel sorry for Nick Sirianni, dude. I really feel sorry for him, like his peers and everything. Yeah, now what overcomes that, his actions, is a good coach. Um, that That's what's ultimately going to get him a job. It's not going to be his antics preventing him from getting a job uh, or, or you know, being making him a favorite to get a job. I don't know. I, I, I really thought about that. Who asked it? You yesterday, John? Yeah. If he gets a job, right. should he get if fired? He gets, well, yeah, and I have a question. I, I really did think about that a lot yesterday. Pat said I think he would. In a second, yeah. right, Pat? But yeah. I don't think as easily as, as Pat, yeah. Here's one of the things, Pat, that was uh, brought to yesterday, just talking to somebody that I think really knows the NFL inside and out, said to me that Nick Sirianni is going to dread the day, if he did lose his job, that he publicly said, I'm not good at play calling. Yeah. Said that because what would you do if there's not a head coaching opening? It's going to be offense coordinator would be the logical spot that he'd be looking for an offense coordinator job. And he publicly sat behind a microphone and told everybody, I'm seven games into his career as a head coach, I'm not good at it. Yeah, so it. It, it's almost how you look at, you know, people told me how you look at a, a, a prospect for the NBA. What do they do that is an NBA skill? Okay, look at Nick Sirianni, and if I'm looking objectively, and, and we do do that here, and you say, what does he do that is NFL coach skill set? Well, he admitted he doesn't call plays well, yes. so you got to take the offense away. Uh, defensive side of the ball, I guess he hasn't he fixed a thing. Hasn't fixed anything. 
And so the third thing I would look at is, okay, how is this team run? Are they disciplined on the field? Are the, it, No, they're not. They're very know? undisciplined as far as not with penalties. They're not undisciplined with penalties as much as they just look scrambled. They just look like a scrambled team. Yeah, and as I said, you know, a couple of days ago, you can't negate the 14-3. and three. You can't negate the Super Bowl run. You can't negate 10-1 and one start. He's had success as a head coach. Whether the reaction or action of the Philadelphia Eagles higher-ups is going to be over these last six games, I don't know. If I'm being honest, I can't throw away all the success that I just mentioned either. What I would say to you is, uh, you know, something like, and, and Pat, this is one for, I know we, we've discussed this before, but there's a lot of question as to whether Doug Peterson's a good head coach. And in, in Jacksonville, they're really questioning the collapse of the Jacksonville Jaguars after sneaking into the playoffs last year. And and having that big comeback win in the uh, wild card game, this year's a big disappointment for them. Now, Trevor Lawrence was banged up. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. But there was a big there, – there, there's certainly – the honeymoon's over for Doug, let's put it this way, in Jacksonville. Yeah, all, all 10 Jaguars fans are, are livid right now, <laughs> um, most of them being in London, so so he can't even hear that. But, cheerio, no, I, I, cheerio. Yeah, yeah, we I, have to get rid of that, Peterson. It, it, it has a lot to do with the fact that it wasn't it wasn't a real good division, too. I mean, the AFC right. South is, is gross. But when you do lose your quarterback, that's that's tough. So I'll, I'll give I'll give old Dougie P the benefit of the doubt because I think he did do some some good things. I mean, he still played, but year. he was playing banged up. Yeah, and it's you know not only was he banged up, but you know they had offensive weapons that were banged up, and they just dealt with the injury bug like every other team. Though it's not yeah, it's not like you know other teams didn't do the same thing. And when when you lose out and you see what the the Texans end up oh. doing with a rookie quarterback, yeah, but. Doug doesn't have to worry about his job right now. I think not probably. Right yeah, yeah, I think they're probably pretty happy about the fact that, that they have him, considering who the who they've had in the past. Doug, you know, that, that organization has hired bad coaches, I'll bring except it up. for Tom Coughlin, the great yeah. The, yeah. who did a great job for them. I'll bring it up. The fight that me, you, and Jamie had for for so long. I, I just think Doug Peterson's a five hundred coach in the NFL. I, I do. I've said it don't, forever, don't, and don't, yeah, don't I know you and Jamie team. always came at me on it, but. I just do. I just think that's what he is. He's a 500 coach. Hey, uh, look, a man, Mike from Delran's back from Disney World. That was a beautiful family oh, nice. photo, Mike. You're cutting in. Uh-oh. We're going to put you on hold. We'll get back Uh-oh. to you, Mike. Mickey, Mickey's silencing uh, Mike from Delran. No, I think he's home now. I think he finally is going back to work. Hey, Jay joins us. Jay, good morning. You're on Fanatic. Good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, buddy. Hey. You you were talking about the whole possum thing earlier, and I want to bring something up. Is it possible? I mean, you're, you're ten and one, right? You, you get rid of Desai after a loss to San Francisco like that. I was at the Arizona game. I was watching this defense. It was soft zone, third and five. We got seven yard cushions on these, and we didn't change a thing. And they went into the Giants game looking the same way. Is it possible that Matt Patricia is basically just hey? We're going to install a completely different defense come the playoffs. I mean, no, because you had a chance. You world. had a chance to win the division. You still had a chance. You still had a chance to win the division. So, no, I, I do not think that is logical at all. Yeah, you know, I, I actually thought that. I thought that too. But you know, when the Cowboys lost, I mean, Cowboys beat the, the Lions, right? No, but they get the, the, it's the loss to the Cardinals. That it's that like you're, by your theory, it's the Cardinal game. And that's the one that lost them the division. They would have, you know, they would, it would have been totally different. 
sure, but you know what? They they probably had the, the thought that okay, we can beat these 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 lower end teams with this base type vanilla kind of defense. Oh, 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 and okay. Did. And then they, and they did. did. Okay. And they did, but you know, but hey, you know, you bring a new. How many times does a new defensive coordinator come in with a ten and one team? And out of the, I mean. You know, we, in that theory, you just stick with the side, then, right? I mean, yeah, no, I don't. The only thing is, is I don't think appreciate it, Jay. I don't think he's a good. I don't think he's been a good defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. He's not been a bad one, but he's always, uh, but he's uh, always had talent. Well, he's a, oh, he, oh, in his career, I thought you meant his career. Since time no, with the in Eagles. his career, okay. in his career with New England, with a perennial Super Bowl caliber team, he was always a back end of the top ten defense. He was around ten. Nine, ten, something in that range. So, I mean, it's not like he's been a garbage defensive coordinator, but he's always been dealing with a stacked deck. Yeah. Uh, the reason I don't think, and I think Jay was just putting it out there for discussion. I don't think he really right. believes that the Eagles were holding back. Why would you make your season harder than it has to be right. by saving something for more playoff games that you originally would have had to play? Well, that's why. So, it, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so. I do hope. And I do think, because it has to happen, that you're going to see some different things, both offensively and defensively, from the Eagles against Tampa Bay, simply because you have to. Because the crap that you've thrown out there over the last six weeks hasn't worked. So you have to see something different, I would assume. And all you have to do is go back and read from last year. The Eagles, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles organization, told us how important getting the top seed was. So there's no way the next year their philosophy would be, oh, we don't care if we're the top seed, the five seed, whatever, we're fine. No, they, they, they lectured us last year about the importance of the top seed, and I think we believed it. Hey, here's Mike from Delran. Welcome home, Michael. I'm in here. I'm all right? Yeah, we got you now. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. So if I had to equate this team to like a TV show, Pat said it. Um, I gave Game of Thrones a way late start, and when I watched it, I thought it was awesome. And then there was a scene where an eight-year-old started breastfeeding off some old lady, and I've never felt more awkward in my life. And that's what this team makes me feel like when I watch it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, anyway, in Florida... Thanks for putting that in my mind, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Dude, yeah. so weird. Pat knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sadly, I do, and I forgot it, but thank you for reminding me of that. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, Florida was awesome. Two teenagers, two kids under five, the wife, all in Disney World. We did it, everything. The whole trip went flawless. No, it so, didn't. Uh, until the last day I'm here at 4.30, me and the father-in-law decide, let's go to the local um, classy Hooters establishment and watch the Eagles game. And it was the first time in my life that I ever watched a game where I was outnumbered with fans. There was not as many Eagles fans as I expected, but there sure was a lot of Dallas and Giants fans. And it got to the point where I threatened the Dallas fan to go outside, and I realized I had to go home, so I just went home and went to was that Hooters? Was that the Hooters on 92? It was the Hooters at Palm, Palm Oh, yeah. Road okay, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, great talent. <laughs> Good but, job. Uh, Take care, buddy. Yes, the Hooters. Yeah, the manager put that talent in position to win, huh? Well, there's yeah. some Hoot- uh, I would tell you that the Hooters in Florida are, you know, some exceptional spots. As far as talent evaluation, Howie Roseman has tried to hire their HR director a few times. Bring him in just because obviously this is a guy with a great eye for talent. So. Is that where he discovered the tush push? <laughs> That's a good line, Bob. That's a real, that's a really good line. Uh, here's why quit is not a part of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
We're going to hear it from uh, Tim McManus's mouth. He joined the best show ever yesterday. You should be joining the best show every, ever every day from 2 to 6 after you listen to Andrew Salchunas right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. John Kincaid Show, 97.5 The Fanatic. You just heard from uh, Pat there the idea that Tim McManus shared it with the best show ever yesterday. Quit. Anybody who's accusing the, the Eagles of quitting that that is not the proper word that would be used to address what this team's doing right now. Now, there are many words to describe what they're doing right now. But, Bob, that's one of those words like the other day I even said on social media, I don't like to use the word effort when questioning a team. But I said if anyone was going to use the term effort, it would have been on Sunday. Sunday's game was an effort game, which I think, a lot of people look at it and go, man, that, that game looked lethargic. Uh, there were guys that looked like they didn't even want to be there. I was even bothered by a guy that I totally think is spectacular in Jason Kelsey for just wandering around the sidelines and just, like, like they kept showing him just wandering around the sidelines. And I'm thinking to myself, he's saying to himself, is this how I'm going to go out? Yeah, the the weird thing is quitting. Now, so there's two ways you look at things with an athlete. If things aren't going well, which they aren't for the Eagles right now. No. And if you have questioned about, I don't know, the coaching, whether they're putting you in the right spot or not, how do you re- react to that? Well, some guys might quit. And I put that in air quotes because quit is a is a four-letter word in and sports. And it's a bad word, yeah. It is. So uh, you might quit. You might be like, I-, I don't know where I'm supposed to go here and stand still or stand flat-footed and then everything's lost. Or you run around like a chicken with your head cut off and you're just trying to like, I got to get somewhere. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. They're not telling me where to go, but I'm just going to try to make something happen. I-, I wouldn't call it quit, but I think we see more of the of, more of the former rather than the latter. I think we're seeing more of, I, I-, I don't know what they want me to do here. Case in point, uh, and this is nothing against Hassan Reddick at all. But you watch him drop back into coverage, and it's like he doesn't know what he's doing because he hasn't done it before. And and he knows that he's being asked to do something stupidly. And, and I just can't agree with that. You saw, like I said, a corner. I can't remember if it was a corner or safety. But standing totally flat-footed, like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I, I don't think that's quitting. I just think it's like... They they just they're lost. I, I'm just going to go back to it. They are lost right now. Now the only thing is, is that though, to me, the only problem I've got with your explanation is the idea that I think it takes a lot of the blame off the players. And uh, fair enough. And, and to me, I think that not enough. I mean, this is a these are some players that are really letting down. They're letting down this. They've let down this fan base. It's let down is that there comes a point where you have to, I guess, circle the wagons and try to overcome. And it's easy for me to say because I'm not out there trying to follow a game plan that's lousy, uh, you know, or and, and, and I think it's pretty much clear that when you have broadcasters saying, yeah, this team just doesn't look right. You know, they don't they, something's not right. They, they, they look out of place. They look and they use the word lost on the broadcast the other day. The big thing was that Moose Johnston game before where he was just tearing into them. And just saying, man, this is really not this. This isn't this isn't good. No, this thing's really bad. Bill Strobel points out, quit is a four letter word, Bob. Okay, thank <laughs> Wait, you, Bill. You know what I meant. I'm talking about like FCC regulation four letter word. Uh, I, I I am not taking the onus off of the players, so uh, I, I think they are lost. I think the coaching staff is lost. I think 
um, maximum effort to try to overcome. I can't see that I'm say that I'm seeing that either. You know, and, and I'll point to a couple of plays. And, and you know, if we went to A.J. Brown on that Hail Mary against which Arizona. Was t- which is terrible. There was... uh, you know, he literally went to the back of the end zone, end zone, and maybe that's where he was supposed to be, and watched. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would have rather seen him dive over people. I'd rather see him, like, just go ball out to try to make a play there. Um, they're in a bad, bad spot right now. I don't think players fully trust coaches i don't think coaches fully trust players and both have given evidence to the other one as to why they shouldn't uh anthony uh, sends in an email and he says he my belief is if they lose to tampa sirianni's replaced period jeffrey lurie's a smart land man doesn't like to be embarrassed and the writing's been on the wall for the last six games he picked two horrible coordinators he believes tampa will win that tuesday morning we will be looking for a coaching staff i'm just going to tell you this right now if Jeffrey Lurie even has that thought in his head. He even has that idea that, wow, if things go bad on Monday night, I might make a replacement. He's already looking at potential coaching landing spots because last year, why did he end up with these two coordinators? Because the pick of the litter was gone. Yeah. And and I can promise you this, if Jim Harbaugh was coming to the uh if Jim Harbaugh was coming to the NFL uh and really was going to leave Michigan, I believe he will. You want your name in that. You want his representatives to know, wait, 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 before you make a call, you could have Jalen Hurts. You could have this organization. You could have this fan base. I believe this city would react very well to Harbaugh. I think he fits here. I think he fits a Chicago. I think he fits a Detroit. I think he fits a hard, you know, blue-collar type town. And he also speaks the language. We would be blown away by his honesty because we have not had coaches like him come through town because he tells you when a player screws up he tells you and he does that with college kids he'll tell you if a if a unit was lousy or garbage or there was bad performances uh i believe you'd want to be in on all those but if that ever got out you know somebody found out that you were shopping for coaches because adam schefter's got big ears he can hear there should be a, a rule in the nfl that nobody can talk to anybody until after the super bowl's over because it's just such a disadvantage but Going back to the guy, I forget the name that emailed you. Uh, Anthony. Anthony saying that yeah, they should fire him because of what happened the last six games. That's that's what's in uh, yellow highlight marker. Because of what happened the last six games. Can you just negate the 35 games before that? No. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't. And I'm not defending. I, I'm no, I honestly putting it out there as a question. Listen to what you're saying. Because of the last six games, he has to get fired. 14-3 and three and 10-1 and one is 24-4. and four. You know, that's what Nick Sirianni was before these last six games. Uh, It's a tough decision Jeffrey Lurie's going to have to make. I wouldn't want to be in that position. Um, I Honestly, if you ask me, I don't know what I would do right now. We're going to do a little exercise on Monday. I've already got it up my sleeve that we'll look ahead because Tuesday is going to be – I I can't even imagine what is going to happen on Tuesday. Uh Obviously, 9 o'clock hour of the John Kincaid Show is brought to you by the Bagster. It's a dumpster in a bag. You can get yours today at Home Depot and Lowe's. For details, go to bagster.com. So yesterday, the Flyers made some news. And one of the things that I always think is great about an organization, but it's not always great for media, Bob, is when a blockbuster type of move comes out of nowhere. Because to me, in my history of covering sports and being around teams and even working for teams, when moves like this happen and nobody caught wind of it at all, that tells me it's a tight 
tightly run ship. Keith Jones joins us from the Philadelphia Flyers now on the Comcast Business Hotline. And uh, Keith, I got to tell you that that move last night, it sort of ruined my dinner until I started to hear some of the details that surrounded it. We welcome you to the show. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. It, uh, it actually ruined a lot of sleeps for me over the last you know, few months to try to get this thing right. Um, so, yeah, I'm not surprised. I am very pleased that it was kept quiet. I, I do think that's a great indication that we have things within our group where we want them to be as far as privacy goes. Um, it is pretty remarkable that nothing came out until the announcement was made. Um, so I am you know, happy about that part of it. Uh, I wasn't happy that we had to, you know, find a way to make this happen. But uh, through the process, I think we got it right. Does it does it really affect, though, if this had gotten wind, if anybody had gotten wind of this publicly, do you believe it would have dramatically changed what you would have been able to get in return? I do. I, I do think that our leverage would have continued to dwindle, um, you know, over the coming months. The, the fact that the player can leave as an unrestricted free agent after spending another couple of years at school uh, does put a lot of pressure on you. You end up getting you know, a compensatory second-round pick if they, if they choose to leave, and it's within their rights to decide that they don't want to be part of your hockey club. Um, when I was in college back in the day, you had no rights. You know, the team that drafted you controlled you the entire time, and if you spent four years in college like I did, uh, you were basically at the mercy of the club as far as the contract that you received. Uh, that changed about a decade ago, and the power is with the player. And unfortunately, we, you know, after I had taken over this, had inherited uh, a player that was not going to join the Flyers. So, Keith, you say you're happy that nothing came out, and that's great. Good on your organization. It shows that you and Danny are running a tight ship there, which is awesome. But now it's out, so come clean. When did all of this, <laughs> when did all of this start, Keith? Like, what, I, you know, like what, what was the first sign that you saw of or first thing you heard of that he might not want to come here? Well, believe it or not, guys, I heard it about uh, a year and a bit ago when I was doing TV. Really? Yep. I had heard about it up in the booth as you guys know up in press row and especially in the tv side of things a lot of information flows your way so i i had a heads up that there was a problem that there was a high likelihood that the player was not going to join the flyers and so i wasn't overly shocked to find out shortly after i had taken the job that we had an issue so, Keith, first reaction as a former athlete, uh, you know, hockey player and all, I would imagine as a person, your first reaction when you hear this, well, screw you, kid. Who the hell are you? Was it tough for you to put on that president's hat and say, well, no, I got to deal with this? And how did you try to deal with it? Yeah, I, I, I tried. My, my actual reaction was I can fix this. Okay. And, you know, we had a new regime. We had all new people in many different places, including changing our entire player development. Uh, adding Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire and, you know, players and former players of that elk that, you know, demand respect and are people that uh, I believe are, are young players coming up that are our property can look up to. Um, they were all new, and I figured as a group we would be able to convince the young man that uh, Philadelphia was the right place for him to play and blossom and become a star. 
uh, unfortunately, was we were unable to even uh, present that message to the player. And that was of uh, complete frustration for me. Uh, something I haven't experienced before, the opportunity to let somebody know what you're all about. Uh, unfortunately, we were not given that opportunity. Uh, we're talking to Keith Jones, uh, Flyers president of, uh, of Hockey Ops. Uh, Keith, looking at the situation, you have to keep it tight-lipped because you don't want news getting out because then your value is, is crushed. And we, we've seen that in Philly with Ben Simmons. So you have to keep it tight-lipped. How do you go about doing that? Do you target a player and then contact a team? Uh, how many teams did you talk to regarding the situation? Um, and how did you guys end up keeping it so tight-lipped? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, remarkably, we talked to a number of teams, um, and I have to give them all credit. I mean, I think we've, in a short period of def- time, def- kind of developed uh, better relationships with other teams around the league. Now, fortunately, I have connections and Danny has connections. So we were both able to maximize all the people within the game that we know and trust. And they prove to be trustworthy. And we will definitely deal with a lot of those teams again. Um, the one we ended up doing the deal with, uh, the process took about from the time of maybe a week before the draft is when those somewhere in that range is when the negotiation started. Um, and Jamie Drysdale was our target. We looked at Anaheim because they had a number of young defensemen that were coming up, uh, which is a rarity in the National Hockey League. And they became a team that made sense. And I think that's kind of how that developed, but it did take you know a, a certain amount of time because. I always believed we would be able to convince the player that he was making a mistake not to come to Philly. Keith, when you think of uh, the, the, the current landscape of where you're at, is this in any way a setback? I don't believe so, but it sure could have been. Um, I, I do think that we ended up with a player that's going to help us in the future. Um, he does arrive today. I believe he just hit the ground. Um, so that is a, is a positive. His contract is one that is team friendly. Uh, we have an opportunity to get a great look at him. I do think it's going to go. I do think it's going to take him a little bit of time to get acclimated. This is a huge change in his life. Uh, for the first time he's been traded from a team that he was a huge part of. Uh, they had a bunch of young players that were very tight knit in Anaheim. He is, a player that comes to us with great character. And I think our players are going to love having Jamie in our locker room. And I think eventually our fans are going to enjoy watching him play. Do you so, be- Under the circumstances, John, I think it's, it's a good deal for us. Keith, do you believe any former flyers potentially had their fingerprints all over this situation? Cause that I, I is don't. the biggest talking point. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, Danny and I both, have a good relationship with Kevin and I, I know that Kevin reached out to Danny last night to say that that did not happen. Um, so I would say that, uh, that is not the case. So I got asked Keith, what is the case? Why didn't that kid want to come here to Philadelphia to play hockey? That that's the biggest mystery. Oh, you, so you haven't asked yeah. him why or his oh, representatives yeah, we, at all? 
Yeah, we've tried to, but we have never been given an answer. I think he wanted the 47% tax rate for what he probably would be due to make on his first contract. Yeah, that's well said. <laughs> Maybe life at the beach. Uh, so let, let's talk about your team right now. How are you uh, How are you feeling? Because the guys get on me every day because I check the standings. Yeah. And I know the lessons that we've learned from you and from Danny that this is going to be a a, a proper process. It's not going to be hurried. It's not going to be rushed. But I find myself still going, wow, they're really, really close to the playoffs. The plan is the plan, and that ain't changing, right? Correct. Yeah, this this was, uh, you know, this deal happening when it did, and obviously in the short term it does help us, was not the uh, – that was not the reason that the deal was made. It was because of the unique circumstances that we were under. Uh, it does not change the plan. We are still very focused on the future, but our players are going to decide what happens this year. And they've done an outstanding job of keeping this thing interesting. Uh, we have a very likable group of players that love each other. And when you have that, you can accomplish some surprising things on the ice. They continue to impress. Last night was a tough night. Pittsburgh Stars had their mojo going, and they have over the last few weeks. And we need to get ours turned back around and start compiling some wins together. But it's not about the standings for us. It's about establishing a standard of play. And I think uh, so far our players have done that. And, and Keith, a lot of people want to talk about the success that you've had this year. But I'm I'm a firm believer that when you have a losing streak like this and times are a little bit rough, you can extract as much from how you're evaluating this team as you did when they were winning. Am I right on that or am I off base? No, you're absolutely right. And I think you you do gain a lot in adverse situations. And I believe our group is very strong in that regard. So they have proven that so far this year. And I would expect them to, you know, pull it back together and get back on track. They are a group that really makes you proud. Uh, watching them play and being around them. And I think that's something that's Jamie, that Jamie's going to experience as soon as he arrives. Are we seeing a different John Tortorella this year? He's been awesome. He I has can been. tell you that. He's the same man that I know. Um, not having been in this type of position with him before, I know the person. I knew the person when uh, I took the job because I had worked with him before. So nothing that Torts is doing is surprising to me. Uh, but I do believe that uh, through the eyes of the public, I do think there has been a bit of a change in the perception just watching how well he's done with our younger players this year. Keith, we appreciate the candor, and uh, we look forward to Mr. Drysdale being in town. I said, and only Beverly Hillbillies fans would uh, even get that reference. <laughs> I, I heard that last night, too. So. <laughs> Milburn. I believe his name was Milburn. Maybe it's his grandfather. You know it. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. There you go. Keith Jones joined us on the Comcast Business Hotline, where every day in business is a big day, and Comcast Business gets you ready for what's next. And Keith reinforces what Bob and Pat say to me every day. It's not about the standings. Stop looking at the standings. Don't worry about the standings. Yeah. But I can't help myself. Sure, that's okay. Getting excited about it. I love playoff runs. I don't don't care if you're – I'm not exactly overly thrilled with this Eagles – playoff what we think maybe we used to like playoff runs here uh but yeah anytime you can play multiple games in a playoff and talking about you know growing this team like keith just did uh, what better way to grow than to get that feeling of what it's like to play in the playoffs which many youngsters on this team didn't i will take exception to one answer what's that they don't know they never got an answer of why the kid didn't want to play here 
Oh, they, he said they haven't talked to him. Yeah, he, he, well, he said there he was, said no, they, he, he no, there was no contact. He said they asked the question many times. Yeah, to his And they reps. never got an answer. Yeah. Reps, yeah. yeah. That's okay. I mean, they, like, they know. Just, they just, know why. They're just leaving them on red. No, that's, they said that they, it happens to me all the time. I text people, you don't get back. They don't get back to you. And they don't get back to you? Yeah. I, a you lot. know, I, yeah. I, and no, I'm not putting, that's unbelievable what? if that's the truth. I can't believe they get in touch and say, yeah, he doesn't want to play for you. Why? Not going to tell you. Well, I mean, like, I could think. Well, the thing wow. is, but you see, if I was representing the young man and he said, I don't want to go to Philadelphia, I have a reason I don't want to be there. Uh, the last thing I'd want to do is tell them the reason why, though, Bob, is because that could paint my because then the Flyers will use that against him. They'll well, use they that to portray him. Again. Now everything can be used against you. Yeah, but it's all it's all hyperbole. Well, it's all people, people saying what they want to believe. But if somebody says, here's the reason I don't want to be there. What if he said, I don't want to be in Pennsylvania because uh, something dumb. Like I've heard John Tortorella is a uh, is really, really tough on young players. I don't feel like having that as my coach. You could, you know, then then people will be like, oh, the kid doesn't want to be coached hard. Kid's a wimp. I think they know. I think you Keith think they Jones do know? knows exactly I mean, I th- why. And, and it's he's right. He, I mean, I wouldn't let me know either. But I, I think he knows. I think I think they I'll have just an idea. I think they have an idea. I don't think I, think I don't think they know. Yeah. Yeah. As I tell you, that was good, and uh, we appreciate Keith Jones uh, being a part of it. I think the big thing was though, just when, and last night, I was told by two people close to the Flyers organization that the whole thing about Kevin Hayes was not true, that that was absolutely not true. And then to hear Keith talk about it is Kevin reached out to Danny because they supposedly have a very tight relationship. That Kevin and Danny have a tight relationship. That he's like, look, don't don't put this on me. Don't pin this on me. Yeah, Even who, though he did lay out, Kevin Hayes did lay out, Pat, the blueprint of how to get out of town. If you don't want to be somewhere and you're a college player, you know, Kevin Hayes knows how to do it. Yeah, he does. He was drafted by the Blackhawks, didn't sign with them, became a free agent. That's happened before. Like Jimmy Vesey, same thing. It's like uh, what, like ten, like eight, nine players have done this or something? Uh, no, it's 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 a handful. R.J. Umberger was one right. that ended up working out for the Flyers because he got drafted by Vancouver, traded to New York, his rights, and ended up signing a free agent deal with with the Flyers out of Ohio State. So it 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 happens, and and I don't think that that'll be the situation with Cutter Goatee. I think he will sign with Anaheim. I think he will too because that that offensive lineup is stacked with Troy Terry and Mason McTavish and Leo Carlson. So he's joining a really good group, but it wouldn't be like he was joining a bad group here. So it is. It's head-scratching because I don't think many Flyers fans expected to wake up and hear that a guy didn't want to come here. I, yeah, I mean, because it, it's weird, though, is that uh, 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 Scott Hartnell was taking offense to it big time during between periods on the NBC Sports Philadelphia broadcast. He said, you don't want to be here, one of the best organizations in the entire NHL. The only thing I would say to that in response to what Scott said is, I don't think the Flyers organization is looked upon the same way as it was 10 years ago. Right now, uh, I don't think it's certainly not looked at like it was twenty years ago. I think it's a little, it's a little. It, it, there's a little arrogance in, hey, we're one of the best organizations in hockey. I think they have to prove that. I think they have to rebuild that trust that that's what they are. Yeah, I I always found it a little questionable when I heard that all through my twenties, thirties, forties, fifties that they're the most uh, beloved organization in all of hockey. And my first thought was. Oh, is it because you won the cup in 1975? Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> like, I, I, look, there's more to an organization. I understand that. But to younger kids, 18, 19 year old, you're going to tell, like, if I try to say, I'm telling you, it's one of the best organizations ever, and they go through the history books and they go, 
They haven't won a cup in 50 years. I don't know. But I, I firmly believe the Flyers know exactly the answer as to why he's not coming here. I'd be shocked the if Bucks, they didn't. The Bucks offense, the Eagles defense. Oh, I got a question for you real quick. Oh, really? On hockey. Yes, real okay, quick, sir. John. Because I was watching the Flyers a lot during the holidays. All right. Do you have a tradable piece between the net? Yes. Is it Carter Hart? Yes. Because this Ursan kid's not bad. I've said it before with Carter Hart. He, well, you said it a long no, time I mean, ago, I've said but you it, got no, off said of it, it recently. I That's why I, I wanted to believe, ask you. I don't believe. I believe Carter Hart is. And it's boy, this is going to go over well. I believe Carter Hart is overhyped in this market completely. I don't believe that in other cities Carter Hart is looked at the same way as he's looked at in this city. Hmm. Yeah, because the reason I wanted to ask is because I know when you first came here, you said yes. you said that. But then when Briere and Jones took over, I thought you were kind of leaning more towards, no, this guy's well, a really good a, goalie. They want a cornerstone goalie is what they've said. Yeah, but I'm asking right. you, would you? I would. Yeah, okay. I definitely would. Make Urson your number one? I would make Urson number one because I don't, again, I've just been told by Keith Jones no more than a few minutes ago that it, this is still years away. Yeah. And I would be, I would be fine with. They're both with, young. Both very young. I'd be fine with bolstering it, and uh, maybe I'm not as high on Carter Hart as some other people are. So you want to – the Eagles defense and the Bucks offense, they both have their issues. So which one's got the advantage? We'll talk about that. Plus, Pat wants to comment on an injury that he believes is going to be huge and not just for next Monday night. It's the John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text Oscar to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on Backstagecountry.com. Text Oscar to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. Every storyline, every angle on the Eagles is here all week as they prepare for the NFL Wild Card. This is the John Kincaid Show, 97.5 The Fanatic and 97.5TheFanatic.com. Did you know Jeff Kerr, our friend from CBS Sports, who joined us yesterday uh, recapping the Giant game, that the Buccaneers are the team that the Eagles have played the most in the NFL in playoff seasons? 1979, they lost game. the divisional playoff game. Doug Williams was the quarterback. It was a wasn't it rainy? Uh, I, I think, think it, it might have started out that way and then it cleared up. Yes. Then 2000, the Eagles win a wild card game. Then 2001, the Eagles win a wild card game. Then 2002, the Eagles lose the NFC title game as they close down the vet. And then they play in 2021, lose. Now we'll find out in 2023. Most times that most teams that they played, this is the sixth time they met in the playoffs. Mm. That, does, that tells you a lot, though, that the Eagles haven't been in the playoffs a lot. I hope it's good weather there on Monday. Uh, I haven't looked it up yet, but uh, my first thought was I like the fact that they're going to a fast track. I like that it's going to be there's not going to be weather to come into play. No Hopefully. excuses. Yes. Um, except that you're not a good football team. That's the only excuse right now. Pat, you're worried about that Sidney Brown injury and, and for good reason. I mean, that is that's something that absolutely will. Uh, 
it's it's an impact. It's an impact on this week's game, but probably more this whole Sidney Brown injury situation. Yeah, I, I mean the fact that it happened the last game of the season, I think it's going to hamper them next season because they're going to have to find another safety. I think they fully expected him to take over. Well, I would think yes, absolutely. Right? So now they're screwed. Because what do they do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who are they you bringing do? in? I don't want another Terrell Edmonds. I don't need to. I don't need. I don't need to sit there in May and convince myself that some guy that was on the street in May, you know, because Mike Tomlin hyped him up. Well, we found out what happens when guys get hyped up. Like Pete Carroll hyped up Sean Desai. So I don't want to hear that. But some guy that they signed for a million dollars in May is could all of a sudden become this big impact for them. I don't want to hear that again. So yeah, this this injury sucks. I love your passion. I love your passion on this one. The Sidney Brown injury has him spitting nails. Look, look, look yeah. they, they've done this to you, Pat. They've done this. The Eagles have done this to you. And it's understandable. Yeah, they have. And you saw promise with the kid. And it's not just the 99-yard touchdown, although that was really cool to watch Amazing. him run. I think he got up to 21 miles an hour or something yes. like that. Uh, a a heat-seeking missile that he is, them trying to kind of not take away his aggressiveness, but learn how to read a play before before just going, you know, hellbent on trying to stop it. That that was. That's a that's a shame because it also we can't forget, takes away most of his next year. Yes. You know, besides this playoff. That's run. the issue, right? I mean that's the big issue. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's a shame. And I, I I think they were saying when he was getting carted off he was real emotional. I, I it's a shame. I hate to see that. Well the Bucks offense averaged five less points per game than the Eagles. They don't have a really good offense. The Eagles' defense, though, gives up six more points per game than Tampa's defense. So that's pretty much a wash. But the question is, who's got the advantage? Would you rather go into the game with the weaker defense or the weaker offense? Both teams are flawed. That's why they're playing in – they're good teams. They're playing in wild card round, but they're not really great teams. No. Uh, so what I, would you rather go in with? I'd rather have the dominating defense, I think. Um, you know, watching, let's equate it to last night, watching that Michigan-Washington game. Michigan has the great defense. Washington has the great offense, right? What well, oh, one out. Neutralized. Yeah, Michigan really played a good defensive game against them and, and was able to kind of keep them in check. So, uh, look, the Tampa offense is going to keep itself in check probably, but the Eagles' defense is so bad that that might be the remedy they're looking for. I, remember, I just don't. I don't have any confidence in this team right now at all. I remember when the highest scoring, the, it, was, it was 10 years ago or 11 years ago, the highest scoring offense in NFL history at the time, the first team to break the 500-point mark, the Indianapolis Colts, took on the Seattle Seahawks. And Seattle just, the first snap of the game was a safety, if I'm not mistaken, over Peyton Manning's head and went out of the back of the end zone and was a safety. And everything else went bad from that point on. I think it was like 48 to forty-eight to 8 or something. Yeah. Just a dominant game. Uh, it, when it was the, the top offense and the top defense. So going at it. And Seattle's defense, so they still put up 40-something points that day. You know, dominating. Yeah, things can happen. I don't know. I, I look at it. I think you have the two worst of all the playoff teams that are – remaining right now i think the two worst are playing on monday night football did did the eagles get the easiest opponent or did the bucks yep they both did <laughs> in your mind they both did they're they're the two worst teams in the playoff right now i think i i'm i'm just at this point where i'm saying hey i'm i'm, I'm looking at it as like the eagles are the eagles have underachieved and a month ago we would never have said that the eagles and the bucks are on equal standing a month ago People would have laughed us out off the air. Yeah. 
nowadays. But the Eagles have done this. The Eagles have written this narrative. This isn't yeah. us. We didn't do anything to this make them what play like done. this the no, last this, six games. No, but even like it's not an it's not a hot take opinion. It's not anything like that. This has been something. This is a story that the Eagles have crafted themselves. And but I really do believe that the Eagles got the easiest opponent. Yeah, I, I agree think, with that. I, and I think that Dallas. And so did Tampa. I think Dallas has uh, got a harder game, and yeah. I think Detroit's got a harder game. I I I like teams. That play in cold weather and all that, they they get to go down to Dallas and play on a fast track. And Jordan Love is playing really good football right now. I think that game's going to be closer than a lot of people think. I didn't look at the line on that game yet. Seven and a half. Is it seven and that a half? To me was, that to me was outrageous. I think that's going to be... Like shocking. I think that's going to be a pretty good game. See, I think that the Monday night football game, I mean, excuse me, the Sunday night football game is going to be just amazing. To watch, Rams at Detroit. to watch Matthew Stafford go back to Detroit with a Super Bowl ring already on his finger, going back to stop the miracle Lions, the first-year Lions. You know, the Lions had that feel almost of last year's Eagles a little bit. You know, this emerging team and all this excitement and everything. I could easily see Sean McVay and the Rams going in there and winning that game. In fact, I may go to my Bet Parks app today before I check it out and bet the money line. I think Detroit thumps them. Really? I, it's so weird that you brought that up. Yeah, yeah I think I, I think the, all these games I think are pretty good. The worst one is Monday night, but I think the Cleveland Houston game. I can't. I think it's on a great the surface. Game. You're like oh, Cleveland Houston, no. but C.J. Stroud and you talk Joe Flacco and the way that that defense for Cleveland has been playing. I can't wait to see that game. Miami at Kansas City. I I. I it sucks to me that it's going to be minus five degrees because I think that's going to negate some of what I consider a fun Miami offense. Uh, and it's supposed to be windy and all yes. that stuff. But I think that's kind of fun. Pittsburgh at Buffalo on the surface should be a blowout. And I think it might be. I think Buffalo might take care of business there because they're playing good football. Green Bay at Dallas, we already talked about. You and I differ on Rams Detroit, yeah, which I, shows. I think I'm going to put the money line. I think I'm going to put a money line wager on the Rams. Okay. And, and it should. I, I don't know why. It's just a feeling for no, me. But, no, but it's, 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 your feeling is. My feeling is Detroit's going to thump them. Because they're at home. It's a home I don't playoff know. game yeah, or what? Yeah, and, and you brought up last year's Eagles. They had that feel, don't they? You know what? Yeah. I, I just. They this, a, is, this is Eagles to uh, New York for me yeah, They remind year. me a little bit of uh, last year's Eagles. The way they've gone about it. Yeah, so I, I, I really, I love, love, love the first weekend of. And one of my favorite memories is uh, on Wild Card Weekend, we had just moved into the old house that we lived in back in 2000. And uh, I was hanging up curtains or something. And the miracle the Saturday music That was the Saturday afternoon game. Yeah, with Frank Wycheck. Right. And God rest I, his I soul. Rem- yeah, I remember hanging curtains and seeing that play and just being like, Damn, this is awesome. And then getting a phone call five minutes later from my boss at the Daily News. Uh, you need to get in touch with Wycheck this week and get a story. And I was like, all right. Okay. Man. Yeah, no yeah twist my arm on yeah. that one. That was, a, that was an amazing ending. But I to do. That I one. love Wild Card Weekend. So you like Wild Card Weekend. The weird thing is, is I love Divisional Playoff Weekend. Oh, I love them too. I, no, my favorite, if I was to rank them, my favorite is Divisional Playoff, Wild Card 2, Conference Championship Games 3. Hmm. Which I think is strange because I do enjoy the Super Bowl, but it's almost like the NCAA tournament in basketball. I like every round a little bit less. Huh. I I, I don't look at it in an overall view like that. Like, if I watch a Detroit team thump like I think they're going to this week, then I can't wait to see them play again the next week. 
you know, we're talking non-Eagles stuff here. I, I follow it that year, and what is the story that year? I don't really look at it as I like this round better than that round. I look for the stories to continue on and see how that well, plays out. I need the Packers or the Rams, Bob, to send the Eagles to Dallas, not to San Francisco, as we talked about with Pat earlier. Uh, is I don't want them – I want to know – that if they were to win on Monday night against Tampa Bay, and I still do just something in me says that they're going to win the game. I want to know that they're going somewhere else other than San Francisco because I will have no faith that they can go to San Francisco and win. No faith at all. I told you before in the season that I don't like when they go down and play in Dallas. Like, it never feels good to me. Oh, it me. never does. It, but uh-uh. playoffs, though, doesn't, though? A uh-uh. team like the Cowboys. This team? I don't feel good about this team playing at the local high school Okay, right but you now. don't think in Dallas this week they're saying, hey, we're trying to overcome our, um, we're, we're overcoming our. Sure. Shortcomings. Yeah, we've got some, and, and it's, uh, you know. Yeah, this is big for Dallas. I mean, you know, this is a prove it. I mean, you won the division. Okay, here you are. You're where you wanted to be, where you had to get. You're the number two seed. You're all that. Yep. Okay, time to prove it. And we all know the the asterisks surrounding Dak Prescott when it comes playoff time. No questions asked. And uh, I think the case could be made, by the way, that Dak Prescott had a better year than even though he won the number one seed. That he had a number one uh, better year than Lamar Jackson. His numbers are clearly better than Lamar Jackson's. Yeah, I, numbers but, wise, as you talk, cl- about. but it's clearly like, like better. Yeah, they yeah. can they can fall, but I mean they they boat raced everybody. I mean Jalen Hurts' numbers were drastically lower than everybody else's last year, and he was second in MVP voting. You know, so it's kind of what do you do for the team, and how do you make the team winners and. And you know Lamar Jackson made them what thirteen and four winners. So oh yeah, absolutely. And, I'd still and, go with Christian McCaffrey as my MVP. I, Christian McCaffrey's my MVP. Yeah, I think. But I would honestly, I would go Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, and that would be that would if I had a if I had a ballot. I don't know if they have a ballot of three or a ballot of two or whatever. Purdy, but Purdy's not in there for you, huh? No, hmm. Purdy would be Purdy could easily be four. But he wouldn't be ahead of either of those two quarterbacks. I would do McCaffrey. Where would you go? McCaffrey. So we're all McCaffreyed up. Yeah, all McCaffrey, of us. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Oh, that's another great and then one. And Brock Purdy. That's another great one. So you wouldn't put Dak or Lamar? No. But, I mean, it's okay. one of the, probably one of those three, Purdy, Lamar, Jackson, or, or Dak are going to win it. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, it, it, <laughs> absolutely. It's probably, well, uh, but the fact that Lamar's the, Lamar's the runaway favorite right now, though, right? And and the voting's I over. I don't know. I thought I'm he not, was. I'm not sure. No? I mean, yeah, maybe. And um, I think the voting's over now. Is over. Right? I, I don't think Tyree Kill's going to get enough credit. I mean, no. he led the league in touchdowns. He had uh, almost 1,800 yards. I think he was one yard away from having 1,800, and he started 16 games. I think the like, that's um, insane. That's it. That is insane. It's an insane number. The one thing, though, I think is that uh, that offense did come up small in big games. And yeah. I think that the, in their biggest showcase games, they did come up a little small. And Coach Capriz, he's another one. Geez. I oh, just, I love that dude. God, I can't that stand him. That dude's my spirit animal. Oh, I can't stand him. I love he's him. my spirit animal. Oh, my I, gosh. I, I love him. I can't stand him. What do you What do you not like about him? I, I think he's, uh, well, first of, all, he's a, he, first of all, I do like this about him. I will t- How about I'll tell you what I like about him before what I don't. I will tell you that the one thing I admire about him, he is absolutely, genuinely who he is. And I admire that. I like that. Yep. Like, I, I will give him credit for that. He doesn't try to be somebody that he isn't. 
But to me, I look at it as he's too big a dork to lead lead a group of alpha males. I think he's such a dork. And but I I have enjoyed the in season. This is the best. If you haven't watched it, it is the best in season hard knocks, and it's not close. I was going to say the the one the one cut of him doing film study with the guys, and he's like, "This is a trash call by me. I mean, this is a horrible call. Right. I am not putting you guys in good positions. This is fully on me." And he's just ripping himself apart. And if I was a player, I'd I'd love that. Yeah, I mean, as far um, as he's uh but his whole personality i love his dry sense of humor well, he's, he's my favorite that. coach in the nfl really yeah by far he's my favorite coach in the nfl i love mike mcdaniel i he makes me smile and laugh yeah i'm not gonna he's sn- he make you snicker like, yeah i love that it's sh- different i like different that show's great his his whole uh I don't, I don't know if you've seen it but the interview when he's discussing the tyree kill trade and the gm comes in and says yeah we got a good chance to get tyree kill and he's like this is why i'm not a gm i'm sitting there going give him everything yeah what do you want what do you want and then he's like well then i had to sit back and actually look at the tape and if they if they lose in the first round of the playoffs they don't want a playoff game with this team that was his their their collapse almost as big as the eagles collapse yeah they're i mean almost. their defense is not that great and they have they have the defensive god vic fangio Correct. So, I mean, their their defense has struggled a bit, but uh, yeah, they they definitely need to win a playoff game. I'd say. I don't think his job is on the line, but I no, think no, 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 no. I think they need to win a playoff game for sure. With that, with that offense. I and, yeah. and and by the way, you've seen the amount of teams that have gone into Kansas City and won: the Lions, the Eagles, the Raiders, and one other team. Uh, I can't remember if it was is it Buffalo or whoever that went into Kansas City and won. So, uh, Bob, you're talking about who to blame when it comes to the Eagles' play. And you said you have the answer as to who to blame. Well, people want to... Because everybody wants to assign blame. Yeah, everybody wants to narrow it down. Is it the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coach? Is it the quarterback? Is it the running backs, the wide receivers? Is it all encompassing of the defense? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It sounds stupid, but I'm not kidding. And I didn't come to this like, uh, oh, let me just throw this. No, watching that game again yesterday, there is nothing nothing going right with this team right now. I mean, the, the ineptness of this team is baffling. Is the likes I've never seen. It's the equivalent of a 76ers team going out and losing 160 every game. 100 to 60 by losing by 40 points. It's the equivalent of the, of the Phillies going out and getting shut out 10 straight days. That's how there is nothing going right with this. And I really looked over and over and over again. All right, what do I see? Oh, well, they they held the Giants to only four yards on that rush there. Let me rewind it and see what happened. Oh, the Giants running back tripped over his own offensive lineman. Eagles didn't do anything. Like, I'm not kidding you. There is nothing about this team. You want to try to cast blame somewhere? Pick it and you're right. Pick it and you're right. Coordinators, players, certain positions. Um, I'll even blame Big Dom for getting uh, suspended off the sideline because ever since he was that, they've lost every game. So... I don't, I don't know what it is specifically, but I can tell you in general, you don't have to be specific. You don't. I, it is so bad right now. It's the likes in all of my years of following the Eagles, the likes I've never seen. And I'll compare it. To, even I have to go back to when I was a little kid, when it was expected that this the play was this bad. Yes. And my dad would tell me, oh, this organization is so horrible. Yep. And you saw it. But. That was when I was a kid. It hasn't been this bad since the 1980s.
Yeah, I mean, it isn't. Is right now when you look at this team, this is not the modern era, the year two, 1999 on with Andy Reid. Um, no, and even you know, in those years like Kotite, and I know when they were 7 and 2, believe me, I followed that team, had sure. the starter jacket. Nothing well, I didn't like have this. Team. Jacket. Watched him in the starter jacket. Uh, the ineptness of this team is the likes that I cannot remember from an Eagles football team. I know that uh, Buddy Darren and I were going back and forth on Twitter yesterday about that. This is nothing like the 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 Kotite collapse is not worse than this. The Kotite collapse year, they're 7 2, but they were not odds on Super Bowl favorites right there, tied with the San Francisco 49ers as the NFC favorites to go to the Super Bowl. They were a surprise 7 and 2. Yeah. And then they gagged and they, and they fell apart. And the the uh, the year people are like, well, the year after they went to the Super Bowl in '80, you know, they collapsed at the end of that season. Yeah, yeah. lost to the Giants. I remember they lost like Giants three games down the stretch. And... They lost in the wild card game to the yeah. Giants, right? Giants, yeah, and it was at home, right? It was at home. It was a rainy day. I got so I, aggravated. I went to the bowling alley. I yeah, remember it because it was a it was it was a you know not to bring things down. It was right after my dad died before the funeral, mm. so it was like between the two. And I remember that going, oh my gosh, they were going to go to the Super Bowl and they came back. Nothing's like this. In fact, in the NFL, it is the worst ten win collapse ever. Yeah, because no team has ever collapsed from a ten win, ten and one start in the seventeen game era. They matched two other teams that lost after going ten and one that only got to eleven and five. And by the way, that like like that Miami team that did that went ten and one, then went eleven and five, and they got trucked sixty two to seven with Dan Marino as their quarterback. Jacksonville beat them sixty. Two wow. to seven. Tom Coughlin and the Jacksonville Jaguars dominated them like that. That's incredible to me. Like you just would, you know, you'd, people don't even think a, a loss like that. That's a loss like that. You don't see Tampa Bay couldn't do that to anybody, but there could be there could be something that happens Monday night that where Mister Lurie would say, you know what, I, I'm not looking to make a coaching. Like if you asked him today, there's no way I'm looking to make a coaching change. But there is something that could happen Monday night that would maybe make him say. All right, I got to take a second look at this. There has to sure. be because that game is is good. It's going to be so scrutinized. Whatever happens on Monday night is going to be scrutinized by everybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I just you know I woke up this morning, John, and and you know my routine. I don't let my feet hit the floor until nope. I get a good thought in my head. My first thought was, all right, how do you feel? Do you feel better today about the Eagles? Nope. I, and so look, you had I'm to not, stay in bed. I'm not being. Yeah. A, you then know, you're not. I'm you're really not. not. It's just how I feel. So I said, nope. Check. What do I got? Oh, okay. I'm going to a high school basketball game tonight that I'm I'm excited to go see. So, boom. That's what I checked off. Feet hit the floor. Here we go. But I just don't. I just don't. And maybe staying away from Sunday's game a little bit more. But it's not just Sunday. It's the Sunday before that. And the Sunday before that. And the Saturday before that. Like, I have no good feeling about this team right now. I don't. Not at all. Yeah. And I, I don't, don't know how they're going to. They did that to you. They you did. didn't do it to them. I wasn't looking not, for it. No, 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 no. I wasn't looking for it. Right. I react to what the, how things are going. I don't, you know, oh, they're going to suck this year. No, I, I followed it along and saw what it was, labeled it a yeah-but season after 10-1. and one. Now it's just a, but they stink. I feel like they uh, they are to you what the Sixers were to me when they Before, lost to the Celtics. Okay. Like, after they lost to the Celtics, I was completely broken. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get over it. I'm sitting there like, why do I do this to myself? I, I don't enjoy this. This isn't fun for me. And it seems like for you, you're in a similar situation. But the difference with me was this was coming off of game seven and the season was over. And for you, 
the season's not over yet. It's this it's this death by a thousand cuts. It's this slow build to either they lose on Monday or they get absolutely, you know, hammered the next week. Hey, well, uh Cito had sent along a note yesterday, by the way. Cito? I meant to get a Cito, C I T O. I got Cito, right? It might be, be Cheeto. No, it's Cito. C I T O. Like Cito Gaston? Uh, it's not Cito Gaston. He did not. Ah, very no, good, Pat. But Cito uh, no, is a uh, respiratory therapist, by the way, it says on there. Uh, but Cito, uh, Pat, wanted to know if Bob taking down the Christmas decorations off the tree was similar to you with the Lego game, but just the opposite. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. That that's very much it. Is so. it the, is it that, because he says, isn't it the same thing? It's exactly. Where you right. get disconnected from a game. Yep. Because either it's too much of a lopsided game, or it's just one that's frustrating you, frustrating you too. Yeah, much. the last two games have been enjoyable to watch. I mean, the Cardinals game was close, but it was gross, and it was it was a sloppy game, and it wasn't fun, and it was boring. And then the Giants game was so lopsided that I, I, I mean, I might as well have put up my Christmas tree again to take it back down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, here's it's funny. I'll equate it to this. Uh, watching the Eagles game late games lately, it, it, it's like uh, all right. Uh, I'm coaching basketball and I run a play against teams, a backdoor play, say, and it works because I know how to set up the other team and it works and it works and it works. And then we play this team that I run the backdoor play a few days later. It, yeah, but this team is way better than those other teams. All the other teams were really good, but this team's way better. And I run the backdoor play, and the kid gets the backdoor pass, and he goes up for lap, and here comes somebody out of nowhere and just swats it into the bleachers. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? As a yeah, coach, I'm like, absolutely, sure. okay, they made the better play. We ran. We we executed. I'm watching this Eagles team, and I'll say it again, lost. There's no execution there. They're not making the backdoor pass. Hell, they're not even catching the inbounds pass to set up the play, to run the backdoor play. So, like, it's it, that's where I am. I just don't see any execution, anything to hold on to to say, oh, that could happen. I don't. In closing, are you going to like hearing from the uh, coordinators this week? Sure. I, I no. mean, I don't. I don't turn a deaf ear ever because that's how I'm trained. Um, I See, probably I, might not be happy after I hear no. it. But <laughs> that's Pat. I'm with Un- you emphatically. I'm with no. you. I do. Not, I am not going to like hearing from those folks. No, it's gone to the point where I, I I hate listening to this coaching staff because you got Brian Johnson, like Nick Sirianni, to me clearly comes out and he's trying to fall over himself and explain the situation that he it is. doesn't seem like he really believes in, but he's trying to find a, a reason as to explain stupidity. Brian Johnson, on the other hand, comes out. and I think def- he's arrogant. Yeah, I, I think he defends his stupid play calling to a point where you're like, wait, you actually believe that third and 15 bubble screens are, are, are going to work. You know, and I, I, I equated it to, I think, a couple weeks ago. It, it's the guy in your rec league basketball game that continues to take half-court shots because once a season it works. Dude, it's a detriment. One time your bubble screen works, so now it's like, well, actually, no. Uh, it, 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 it's a really good play. Like Bob, you brought it up on the on the pregame show perfectly. Uh, Brian Johnson was sitting there exclaim, uh, explaining how um, Buda Baker made this amazing play. Buda, Buda Baker knew the play was coming, dude, because you just ran the same play on the other side of the field. And the Giants knew it was coming when Marcus Mariota came in. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's just like they, they knew. So to, so to hear that and to go, wait, you're not even – you're not, you don't even have the wherewithal to look within and see that you have deficiencies. 
it goes back to the, you know this coaching staff. Their biggest problem is their ego. They 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 really believe that their system is working, and we're all just crazy for it. And we're sitting here going, "No, I'm sorry, you're the emperor, and you have no clothes." Yeah, I uh, did not. Uh, I think Brian Johnson comes off arrogant. I think Nick Sirianni comes off falling the sword. Nick Sirianni does not come off arrogant to me. Brian Johnson does. So Well, and A.J. Brown kind of told us that. We have lots to uh, get to tomorrow, and we look forward to having you join us. You're going to stick with Andrew Salchunas, right? All throughout the day, you're going to listen on the 97.5 The Fanatic app or 97.5thefanatic.com. You're going to check out the social media content at 97.5thefanatic.com. And then you'll be there for the best show ever, too. It's going to be a full day on The Fanatic. Support life-saving cancer research. Join us and our generous partner, David Auto Group. David Kelleher and his whole crew make a donation to the American Association for Cancer Research today. Do it at 97.5thefanatic.com slash AACR because cancer research saves lives. You're greatly appreciated for your listening. We love your time. Have a great day and look forward to Andrew Salchunas next right here on The Fanatic.